1: Welcome, Auburn, into to the Thursday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan Void. Today on the show, I've got Brooks Childress with me as we have a fun show planned for you this afternoon. I had a great time doing Wacky Wednesday yesterday, and uh, certainly if you missed that, go back and check it out on the Sports Call podcast. But I uh, had a good time yesterday. We're going to have a good time today. Uh, today on the show, we will have Joe Healy. He works for D1 Baseball. He's a writer and podcaster, works with uh, D1 Baseball, and uh, does uh, SEC Extra on D1Baseball.com. And so he's well adept at uh, covering the SEC baseball landscape. He's going to be covering the Auburn Regional tomorrow or starting tomorrow. So we'll have him on the show today to preview the Auburn Regional and the other some of the other SEC teams in the NCAA tournament we'll also have any relevant updates from the SEC spring meetings as about 30 minutes ago uh, Greg Sankey uh, and uh, some of the ADs went into another meeting so we'll see if anything comes of that Uh, we'll also have uh, some some thoughts on the uh, NBA finals as they start tonight uh, and a lot more uh, a couple more decisions in the college basketball world to tell you about too so a lot going on today Ryan LaVoy Brooks Children's with you Brooks how are you doing sir
2: I'm doing great uh you know also we're uh, following what's going on in Oklahoma City with the several SEC teams competing at the Women's College World Series Tennessee took down Alabama earlier today so uh Alabama into the losers bracket on in there where Tennessee moves on to the winner side of things so we're following that and you know, getting, getting ready for a big weekend in sports. You've got the Women's College World Series. of course, got off this weekend, the Memorial Tournament up in Ohio, getting underway on the PGA Tour. Braves are still on their West Coast trip, or one of many West Coast trips this year, as they're taking on the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks starting tomorrow night. Get a day off today. And, uh, obviously, all the college baseball that gets started this weekend. And so we're, we're following all of that. Can't wait to talk about all of it. And uh, it's going to be a, a fun afternoon on the sports show.
1: Also got a, uh, a couple thoughts on some – uh, maybe some more realignment. We have some, uh, a couple more news uh, topics from uh, the, the Big 12 and the Pac-12 to go over recent rumblings and that sort of thing. So we kind of have a hodgepodge of, of discussion there uh, in, in recent days with, with some of the news, particularly with Colorado. Uh, also, fun little deal with the Holiday Bowl uh, and the, the Pac-12 the other day. Uh, so we'll update you on a few of those things. Um, Brooks, I know that, uh, yesterday it was, you, you, you mentioned a bowl game, not on the show, but a bowl game that, uh, was, um, the now gone yeah. that has been replaced by another brand. RIP. Um, fill us in. What, what, what did we lose yesterday?
2: RIP, our cheese, uh, cheese loving bowl. The cheese at bowl is no longer, uh, here. And so no, no, um. No bu- uh, buckets of Cheez-Its will be dumped on a winning coach's head. But maybe, just maybe, you get a bucket of Pop-Tarts dumped on a head this year. Although, those, those may hurt more than a Cheez-It if you get a bucket say, of Pop-Tarts dumped on you. I was about to say, I don't know you. if
1: you want that dumped on you. Uh,
2: but, yeah, the, the Cheez-It Bowl, which is played down in Camping Royal Stadium in Orlando, now the Pop-Tart Bowl. Um, Kellogg's, I, I think, is manufactures yes. both. Uh, but they're, they've now moved their sponsorship to a – Pop Tarts Bowl, which I was driving home uh, yesterday evening, and I flipped over to our sister station AM twelve thirty WAUD. And if we get time, maybe this could be something we we could uh, embark in on the show. But uh, and they were doing they were doing a power ranking of their Pop Tarts flavors. <laughs> there be based <laughs> up because of the Pop Tart in honor of the Pop Tarts Bowl. So it's a. Uh, you know, bowl games are fun. It You know, you get some wacky sponsorships going on with them. You know, I, I remember one of my favorite was the Bad Boy Mowers Gasparilla Bowl. That was a fun name a couple years ago. Um, and it's just you love to see the bowl games continue to, to you know, move, move into a direction where they, they have more fun names and more fun sponsorships. I mean, you saw what they did with the with the Cheez-It Bowl last year where they had like a room-themed, cheese like a Cheez-It-themed room they for did players it well. to play yeah. in. I wonder if they could do a Pop-Tart-themed room. and It would be I mean, there's so many possibilities you could go with this.
1: See, the the, the one difference I see, though, is, uh, is cheese. it marketing has kind of been more on top of it than marketing for, for Pop-Tarts yeah. just because they've had the, the the talking cheese heads and all that. They've actually marketed it pretty well, and it's been pretty funny. Um, it, Pop-Tart, to me, again, we're not going to spend much more time on this, but I did want to mention it because Pop-Tart is like – Absolutely when you're just kind of listing off bowl games and you're trying to say that some of the lesser ones like don't matter, you're kind of going on a spiel. yeah, it's absolutely you you pop tart sounds like something that someone would be like, yeah, I mean no one cares about all these bowl games. I mean they're playing in something like the pop tart bowls like now there literally will be a pop tart bar uh, pop tart right. Uh So <laughs> that was funny. wanted to mention that. Um, we'll start today though primarily uh with a little more on auburn baseball this will be brooks's last show before the regional uh so want to want to get a few words in on that again uh saw the ranking or not the rankings the predictions from d1 baseball staff writers they they had 11 staff writers uh predict the auburn regional don't know if people saw this today six of the 11 actually projected southern miss to win the regional only five predicted auburn um again giving credence to the belief that uh, a lot of people really like the southern miss team now joe healy who we're going to have on later today is one of the staff riders that picked auburn to win the auburn regional so we'll ask him about uh what the line of thinking is for some other guys or or uh just just what uh would pave the way for a southern miss victory but uh brooks you got regional tickets which is exciting second year in a row for you to do that um what do you think about what you're going to see uh, throughout this weekend at Plantsman Park?
2: Uh, I think you're going to see a lot of good baseball. Is, is what you're going to see. You're, you've got uh, two teams in Auburn and Southern Miss who are the top two seeds who fought their way here. They they both have some really strong wins on their resume, um, and you know they they were able to fight their way in. Uh, Southern Miss is one of those teams that was. Uh, questionable. They could have gotten a regional host spot. They got one last year, and they even ended up hosting a super regional last year. They they had, I believe it was LSU, even went to their regional, um, and they they lost. And it, I'd have to look it up, but uh, I think LSU even was traveled to their their regional, and then uh, the, they beat were able to beat LSU and get get out of their re, get out of their own regional. Um, and so it's it, it's a big you know it it's a it's a really good test for Auburn to see where they are. Um, Samford, you know, obviously a team out of the SOCON, the uh, the, the Auburn's familiar with, plays them almost every year, almost or could had them twice this year. One of the games, of course, got rained out in the uh, the the Hoover Met preview game that they always play in, but was able to run rule Samford the first meeting of them in eight innings, uh, at Plainsman Park. And then Penn is a team that came out of the Ivy League, won the Ivy League. And so, if you win your league, you know, it uh, Auburn's not a not a um. Not a uh, stranger to playing Ivy League teams, you saw Yale come come to Plainsman Park last year, uh, a team that you know is is made uh, NCAA tournaments. Penn obviously won won their league. They're coming coming to play here, and so they're still a strong four seed. Although Auburn, the talent that Auburn's got on the roster, shouldn't have any problems with them. The biggest problem, like I said, is going to be that Southern Miss team. I was looking at their RPI. They're only two spots below Auburn in RPI. It's Auburn at uh, right now at 19, Tennessee at 20, Southern Miss at 21. And so you, you're two teams that are, you know, they're, they're deserved to be in th- this position. Uh, I'll, like I said, Southern Miss was on that borderline of, they could have hosted uh, a, a regional. They can, they were in consideration to host a regional, but just didn't have some of the wins there to get, get in that host spot or get, get high enough in there. But it, it's going to be fun. I mean, it, I, I think Auburn probably is, is a better team than Southern Miss. I think that they've got the chance to win, to, to win this regional, but, I would not, you know, if if you came in here on Monday and said Southern Miss wins the regional, I, I would not be shocked. It, it, they're a really good baseball team,
1: or at the very least, if there's not a game seven, yeah, a, if there is a Monday game, a, a, a Monday game, which we have no idea when that time would be. Um, but you know, what struck me is I, Southern Miss is, um, you know, I I, I want to be careful because I, I still think that they are are very capable. Obviously, they're they're ranked very highly. But you just said it right there. Um, Auburn got someone along the lines of, of who you should get as a team that barely hosts a regional. As a mm. 13 seed, you're getting a top 25 team. It, it's not a shock. And if you're picking top 25 teams, I'd rather have someone that's not uh, familiar with you. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't have wanted – and not that they really do this too much, but I wouldn't have wanted an SEC team in the regional uh, with Auburn. Um you know, especially not one that uh, beat Auburn earlier in the year just when they were not playing baseball because they, they found I know they found something afterwards. But it, when you compare Southern Miss to some other two seeds, and in particular the one that interests me, which is the super regional containing or the regional containing Clemson and Tennessee, the, the one that would be the super regional matchup if Auburn can get through. Like I think Clemson's playing someone equally difficult as who Auburn would have as the two seed. And Clemson is the four seed. Clemson is somebody that um, was probably should have been slated to play someone on the bubble of two versus three, someone that was not necessarily a top 25 team, Mm -hmm. and yet they're playing someone in the rankings That is right next to Southern Miss, at least in RPI. Yeah. And someone that some still thought had a chance to host a regional coming in the SEC tournament. And so if I'm Clemson, I'm pretty befuddled uh, of why Tennessee is the two seed in the Clemson regional there. Whereas, you know, on again, on paper, Southern Miss might line up pretty close. But, I mean, I'd be just as scared to Tennessee, if not more so, because I know the talent level that they have. Southern Miss obviously plays a successful brand of baseball, and we know that in the sport of baseball, it's a little different some of these other sports. You can make hay even against big teams, and, and especially again, it's baseball. But, uh, again, I look at situations, and this is about what I expected for Auburn. I'm not going to – if Southern Miss does end up having a great weekend and winning – it's, it shouldn't be flabbergasting because, again, Southern Miss is valued as a top 20 or top 25 team, whereas Clemson's also playing someone that's a top 20 or top 25 team. And so that still kind of fascinates me how that rolled out. And the last point I'll make before we head to break again with Sanford is, you know, Sanford was mocked to be the four seed in this regional up yeah. until they, they ended up winning three in a row – on the final day to win the SOCON tournament. They wouldn't have been in the the NCAA tournament if they didn't win the SOCON tournament. So as someone that was an automatic qualifier, someone that had 20-plus losses in a small conference, and someone that was mocked as a four seed, I mean, that's an excellent draw uh, to have them as the three. I mean, now, and Southern Miss is going to think the same thing because that's even more pertinent to them as the team that will play them first. Uh, But as opposed to some other three seeds out there like North Carolina who were ranked in the top 15 at times this year, I mean, Sanford is about as lowly as a three seed as it gets. Again, no offense to them because we know it's baseball and anything can happen. But, you know, I I will say that um, I I don't expect Sanford to be – I expect this to be a battle between Auburn and Southern Miss ultimately. Um, But, you know, it's baseball. And, again, I I can't stress enough to you that – the best team wins a lesser percentage of the time in baseball than in the other big big sports out there uh it, there are more random outcomes ask the atlanta braves this week about how the a series win i don't think anyone would be under the illusion that oakland is even near the team of atlanta so if it can happen the professional ranks, it certainly can happen with 20 year old college kids uh but but the nevertheless the point remains that as far as draws go i think auburn got a good draw and I think it extends even to the Super Regional where, although Auburn plays Clemson in everything, and for that we're kind of tired, <laughs> tired of that part of it, uh, there's a real chance that Clemson gets tested and could ultimately lose that. Uh, so, so Auburn has an interesting draw. And I, I do think it's, uh, it's it could be very productive for them and give them a great opportunity to advance through this thing, maybe even all the way to the College World Series if they get going. And of course, we'll talk to Joe Healy about all of that coming up at 5.15 today. We're going to take our first timeout of the show. We'll head to the Auburn Bank phone line, also do birthdays and sports coming up. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
0: Sports Call crew wants to hear from you. Give us a phone call at 334-887-3401. Let's get back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9.
1: Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger ninety five point nine. Ryan McAvoy, Brooks Shoulders with you here on this Thursday afternoon. Starting to get a little more toasty, you know, starting to starting to warm up closer than normal. We've been no, b- below average for a week or two now. Uh, good news though, Brooks. We'll get back to average to above average by just in time for this weekend for you to take in some. Some warm weather games.
2: What is average slash above average? Upper 80s. No, thank you. Are you sure? Last year, I remember last year, and I'm sure anybody else that was at the Auburn Regional last year remembers this, it was hot. Yes. It was hot. Yes, it was. And it was I went to, I went
1: with, uh, with you to you, one of the hottest Yeah, ones, yeah. and
2: we, we had to escape underneath the, the awning yep. for a little bit.
1: I got mildly burned. There was a couple just, like, areas that were thinking about being crispy, Um so hopefully Auburn continues to play in the nightcaps. Yeah. But hey, what what? See, you're going to go to the afternoon games too. So this is, your, yeah. the, I'm not going to like be a good used car salesman right here <laughs> for you. But at night, when when you have those upper 80s, you know what's going to feel like at, at eight o'clock? to mean the 70s. This to be pretty fun. Mm, and yeah. and uh, the lows get to the mid to upper 60s. So by the end of the game, you'll still be only around 70. You'll actually feel great.
2: That'll feel amazing. So
1: now the afternoon game. Have fun. Yeah, drink fluids. Yeah, uh, sun no fun, but uh, but yeah. Put on the sunscreen. But uh, the good news is not much rain, if any, in the forecast throughout this weekend. Which, so. which is
2: good because that kind of plagued the at least the back half of last year's regional. Yes. Is you had a couple. Uh, you, I know one the Saturday game. Me and you went to. There was a little bit of a rain shower during yeah. the middle of it, but it didn't stop the game. And then the Sunday night game, that it was the regional final, was. Uh, called because it was called in the middle of because rain and then it had to come back on Monday and if if I believe it was UCLA Auburn was playing and if UCLA had come back and won that game you would have had to play a second game that Monday afternoon and I think it even rained that Monday like evening afterwards you're like oh man we wouldn't have even gotten that game in tonight
1: yeah it. I mean fortunate weather situation for sure um you know I think of again different sport but same concept to a degree How problematic weather was for NASCAR this past weekend, where they couldn't even run the Xfinity or the Cup race till Monday. And the Xfinity race is supposed to happen on Saturday, so it literally rained all day Saturday and Sunday. Um, And they
2: even, like, didn't they cut, like, the Xfinity race, like, not in half, but, like, they started it, and then they had to stop Right, they had to
1: break in the middle of it because it rained, and they're like, we're not going to move the cup time. So it was technically an eight-hour red flag because they (laughs) ran the cup race in between. It was incredibly uh, challenging uh, from a weather perspective. So it it certainly could be worse, and, again, I do not think there will really be any rain Uh, to stop play this weekend so it should be a very good weather weekend before we go any further in today's show let's get to today's birthdays in sports it's time for today's birthdays in sports Birthdays in Sports is presented by Max Credit Union with two convenient locations to serve you. One location on Gay Street in Auburn, the other on Frederick Road in Opelika. Let Max Credit Union help you with all of your banking needs. Today we've got Greg Shiano, who turns 57. He's the current coach of the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. He was the head football coach at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's been a coach in a variety of places like Ohio State, Miami, Penn State, and Chicago Bears. Played at Bucknell. Let's go Bison. As a linebacker, Shiano was a three-year letterman. His head coaching record is eighty and eighty-nine. Spent the longest time with Rutgers when he was the head coach from two thousand one to eleven. Then coached two years for the Bucks. Bounced around as a DC before returning to Rutgers to be the head coach once again. As head coach Rutgers, they have a five and two bowl record. Greg Shiano turns fifty-seven today.
2: Also, the coach that nobody in Tennessee wants to have.
1: Correct. Uh, yeah. Uh, Almost became Tennessee coach. Can you put down a resume? Was was hot? Was the guy according to the administrators, but but got overruled by fans.
2: The fan base threw a, threw a fit.
1: W- was hired for an SEC job in theory.
2: Do you want to know a fun fact about that time in, in Tennessee's history?
1: Uh, what's that? They had their goalposts intact.
2: They did. But uh, I was also that was I was in college, and I found Philip Fulmer's email. And you know, know it's probably his like administrative email that went to his secretary. But I emailed my resume Heck up yeah. to him to, to to apply for the the head coaching position at Tennessee.
1: Brooks was trying to be a man of the people. I was. He was trying to be the the UT head. Coach.
2: Never heard back from him.
1: Yeah. Hey, but hey, you tried. You can always say you, you, you tried.
2: It's an A for effort.
1: Santana Moss, 44 today, former wide receiver for the New York Jets and Washington Redskins. Moss attended the University of Miami. Hey, you! Joined the Hurricanes football team in 1997 as a walk-on before, before being awarded a scholarship after the season's third game. It did not take long. He went on to break the Hurricanes record, previously held by Michael Irvin for most receiving yards. He was a pro bowler in 2005, second team All-Pro in the same year. Over 10,000 career receiving yards and 69 touchdowns to his name. He was an All-American coming out of Miami, was selected in the first round of the NFL draft, was inducted into the Miami Sports Hall of Fame in 2011, named among the greatest Washington Redskins players, being inducted into their 90 greatest players to play for the organization. Santana Moss turns 44 today.
2: Three games and they're like, yeah, this guy's pretty good.
1: Yeah, (laughs) and he was. Carlos Zembrano turns forty two today, three time All Star, three time Silver Slugger Award winner. Zembrano is known as one of the best hitting pitchers of recent times, was a switch hitter with a clear right. two thirty-eight average, twenty-four wow. bombs and seventy one ribbies. If you got that year out of Marcel Ozuna, would you take it? Yeah. He hit two thirty eight with twenty four and seventy one. Would you be all right with
2: that? Ozuna from the Braves, yeah.
1: yeah Ozuna from the Braves. Uh slugging percentage of three ninety-six. The twenty-four home runs are the most ever by a Cubs pitcher. He was the NL wins leader in two thousand and six. He threw a no-hitter in the two thousand and eight season. Finished his career with a one thirty-two and ninety-one record and over sixteen hundred strikeouts. Of course, Carlos Sembrano also was well oh, not, not welcomed. He uh faced Jason Hayward. And hayward's first at bat he was the pitcher that uh uh had jason hayward thinking that all there was to do in the mlb was hit home runs into the bullpen and so uh that was a fun moment carlos zambrano turns 42 today
2: i've got carlos zambrano baseball card somewhere at home and big, that was big z and i remember that being at like it was in one of my first uh tops packs that i bought too
1: hey he was really good for several years there uh he was And then Derek Lowe turns 50. Lowe attended Edsel Ford High School in Dearborn, Michigan, where he was a four-sport letterman in baseball, golf, soccer, and basketball. He was an all-league honoree in all four sports and his first team all-state pick in basketball. Lowe was a two-time All-Star and a World Series champion in 2004, led the NL in wins in 2006, and led the AL in saves in 2000. Threw a no-hitter in the 2002 season, part of the Boston Red Sox Hall of Fame, Lowe also spent time with the Seattle Mariners, Los Angeles Dodgers, Atlanta Atlanta Braves, excuse me, Cleveland Indians, New York Yankees, and Texas Rangers. That World Series came with the Boston Red Sox. Derek Lowe, part of that era, you don't really see it. To be fair, you didn't see it often, but I, I guess it's burned in my head because of Smoltz, where some guys would close, but also were starters at times. And uh, Lowe, as you just heard, closed successfully for a year or two, but was really more known as a starter, kind of the same with John Smoltz during that time where Smoltz started for, I don't know, 12 years, 13 years, then got hurt, then closed really well for two or three years. And then all of a sudden uh, he went back to starting the last couple of years of his career. So I don't know, kind of weird. But uh, Derek Lowe, the sinker baller, turns 50 today.
2: He was a... Uh... He was on the the starting rotation, in the Braves starting rotation, uh, when I first started following the Braves. I think it was Hudson, Tommy Hansen, Derek Lowe, Julio maybe, Tehran was like making spot starts, uh, but he was still. Jurgens, Jair maybe Jair Jurgens was with them. Maybe uh, Chris Medlin? I felt maybe like
1: maybe a little later.
2: He, I think he was hurt uh, to start with. Well, him, he
1: usually was hurt. Him,
2: so. him and Peter Moylan were like hurt during the yeah. time that I first started. Brandon watching Beachy
1: got, got hurt a lot. Yeah,
2: Brandon Beachy. Come they had no some kid. good arms,
1: but some of them were, were not healthy all the
2: time. You had the back in the bullpen, too, where it was O'Flaherty, Venters, and Kimbrell. Yeah, for Deadly. two
1: years, that was just awesome. And then Venters got hurt all the time. Yeah. And then O'Flaherty stopped being good, and Kimbrell got traded. Yeah. And so it goes. But uh, the, so it goes. those are the birthdays in sports presented by Max Credit Union. Again, Greg Asciano, 57. Santana Moss 44, Carlos Sembrano 42, and Derek Lowe 50. Shout out to TP Hammock, our intern this summer, for putting that together for us today. With that, we're going to go ahead and take our next commercial break of the show. When we come back, more of Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Sports Call and Tiger 95.9.
0: Stay tuned, you're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
1: Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress with you here this afternoon. Again, appreciate everyone listening, listening either live here on the radio on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, the Tiger Communications app, or after the fact on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. Of course, we've continued to have Mixler issues, so if you go to the Sports Call tab on the uh, the website, it's still not operational. Catastrophic failure there. Still working on a solution, but don't have one in the immediate future. It does not appear.
2: We've gotten engineers uh, involved at this point, yeah, so you know it's not Engineers
1: good. from multiple loca- locales. Um, and then uh, the good news is you can still listen on our website. Yeah. Just go to the Tiger 95.9 tab rather than the sports call tab, and you can still listen. It will, uh, it will work for you. So still go to the website as a means to list an Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. So Brooks, the next logical place to go in the conversation today. Do you like South Dakota?
2: Eh, it's fine. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of grass and and, you know,
1: You know a lot of people from the Dakotas?
2: Um uh what uh what's the quarterback's name? That was it the Eagles? Carson Wentz. Uh, Carson Wentz. Yeah, Carson yeah. Wentz. I think he's from the Dakotas. Well, he at least played there.
1: Uh he no, he definitely played there. Um
2: Trey Lance at least played there. I don't know if he's from there.
1: So can I interest you in uh the state of basketball in the South Dakota? Like what do you know about South Dakota basketball? Is it getting good?
2: Coyotes are fine. They've made the do you tournament like the recently. Jackrabbits? They've made the tournament recently too, yeah. in both men's and women's. They're really good on the women's side. Do
1: you like that they do neutral sight games there sometimes?
2: Eh. I mean, it's fine. I mean, I don't, I don't know, you know. You it's don't it's not like the game. Bahamas or Cancun or somewhere.
1: Right. Well, how about this? What if I told you, Brooks? Yeah. And technically, you guys told me this, but for the sake of radio. What if I told you, Brooks, yeah. Auburn's going to play basketball in the state of South Dakota next year? Yep. Would you think I was weird for that? I'd, for say,
2: that? I'd say it's going to be really fun to play the Jackrabbits, you know?
1: Right. Yeah, I mean, kind of weird to go on the road play South Dakota State, but Summit League's finest. Yeah. Well, how about a neutral site game in the state of South Dakota against the Baylor Bears?
2: Do you mean the Baylor Bears that won the national championship just two years ago? Right,
1: with an Auburn transfer, yeah. as a matter of fact. Yes. Wow. That, that program. A program consistently in the top 15 or 20 in the country. Yes. Auburn, uh, folks, is going to open the season this fall and what, five months? Is that how math works to November? In five months, Auburn and Baylor will open the slate of college basketball for the Auburn Tigers in the state of South Dakota, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I had to double check. I had to panic check and make sure that wasn't North Dakota. And just, just had to do, do a quick search just so I didn't mix up my Dakotas. It is South Dakota. Yeah, there's going to be a neutral site game in South Dakota. I was not even aware that this exists. Apparently it did exist last year. Baylor was a part of it last year. Uh, but Auburn will open the college basketball season against Baylor. That is the kind of non-conference game that will go on a resume, uh, probably win or lose. Uh, so interesting, was not on the radar to be playing Baylor. Of course, this opportunity exists because there will no longer be an SEC Big 12 Challenge. It's becoming the SEC ACC Challenge. Uh, of which, of course, uh, the ACC Historically Great Basketball Conference being involved there. So uh, Auburn has been playing some Big 12 schools for, for years now of varying degrees, but they are going to play one of the big boys this year. They're going to play Baylor in South Dakota. I'm not sure why South Dakota has a neutral site basketball game of importance. I'm just going to be I'm forthcoming. I don't know. Uh, I'm not against it inherently. Like, South Dakota could could do what they want and – these are two uh, solid basketball programs for sure. So uh, that people will show up, I suppose. Um, are you going to make the trip? you, you interested in going to South I was going to say,
2: we, uh, I mean, I just looked it up. It is a 1,172 miles between Neville Arena and Sanford Pentagon. Which oh, is, is that all? That's all. It would that'd be an 18-hour and 22-minute drive if you, uh, if you drove it. That's the fastest route, too um also i guess you know it gives you flight options on google a flight from columbus georgia to sioux falls is six hours and ten minutes which i i don't think i think that includes some layover time somewhere uh but yeah i mean i I think we should uh we should see if it's in the budget to to make the road trip up there get get in the station van and uh and head on up there to to open up the season november 7th i mean you know it's no big deal. Just the middle of football season, you know.
1: Yeah, uh, take your mind off of things with a nice trip to, to the yeah. to South Dakota. Uh, that, that I'm sure
2: it's. I've heard it's lovely that time of year.
1: Uh, maybe, um, or well, it's early November. If it was late November into December, I'd be say, "Well, <laughs> uh, snowy time." But and, and it might be in, in early November too. I, I admittedly, I am I do the weather for this locale, uh, and I'm excited to do that each and every day. Uh, I don't keep current with the Dakota's weather situation, Sioux but Falls I can imagine decidedly colder.
2: Sioux Falls is is geographically north of Chicago. I can tell you that.
1: That's and that doesn't help your cause of of it not snowing. No. Uh, so that is interesting. Again, it sounds like we're. I. I hopefully, it doesn't sound like we're uh, fundamentally opposed to this. I'm. I'm not. No. It,
2: it sounds like I, a great matchup. This,
1: this is very interesting. Uh, and was not on the radar whatsoever. And I'm glad Auburn's going to play someone of the caliber of Baylor. Uh, I don't know what version of Baylor we'll see this year. They did lose. We were talking over break. One of their best players from last year's team actually lost to an in-state rival in Houston, who, of course, is joining the Big 12. So uh, that's all in the family kind of there, an LJ Cryer. So I don't know what Baylor will be projected to be this year, but uh, I do know that most years they are a top 15, top 20 team. So good program, and that will be the season opener. You said November 7th on the date there? November 7th uh, for Auburn and Baylor in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Nope, not video game. Didn't put it in a random result generator. That is where they're going to play uh, to open the season. 334-887-3401 locally or toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine to join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Let's go to the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today. James from Montgomery. James is with us. James, how are you doing? I'm good,
3: and War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, I know that y'all were talking about like some uh, future Auburn football games that are going to be coming in the later in the season.
1: Uh, this one's basketball. This is the the opener to the basketball season.
3: Oh okay, okay, okay. So for this year or next year? Uh,
1: th- this November, so five months from now.
3: Okay. So um, I'm actually looking at like five months from now. I'm looking at like for the basketball season for this year to see uh, Bruce Pearl actually playing some uh, good teams on when the basketball season comes um, you know, when it actually happens. In November, I'll probably say that I will see uh, November, probably I'll say it like November, November the 5th, I would like to see Auburn play against Colorado State. I would love to see that matchup in Colorado, and that will be a really good matchup. And to, if that was going to be like a, a televised game, I would like to see that game being played or you know, being televised on the ESPN University as well.
1: Yeah, so I, I don't think that they're going to uh, be playing before the season opener since that is the the season opener on November 7th. Now, maybe they play someone – I mean, it, it is possible if they're going to go out uh, that far west and north, they, they could play someone else out there in the the days following, I suppose, like Colorado mm-hmm. State or, 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 or someone from – uh, a smaller conference with a decent basketball history or or someone from a uh, from the pac 12 or something but uh uh we kind of get bits and pieces of the schedule release so we really don't get the complete look at it until uh, mm-hmm. sometime this summer but uh but yeah we'll see if they end up playing someone else out there
3: yeah because i um i've actually i've been watching uh college basketball for a long time and i've seen like some great games uh last few years i've seen like um, Army and Navy, and and once I watched that game, I'm like, you know, that those two schools are very, very, very good uh, programs in history. Uh, with the library, uh, I've seen them play football. I've seen them play in best in basketball and softball and uh, lacrosse and many, many, many sports that those two teams. Uh, Actually, play because um, I actually every time when I see an Army Navy game, I'm all I'm always rooting for Navy because I I have friends that are in the Navy as well, and you know I, I would like to see other schools actually play you know like other like other big schools like Auburn. I would like to see Auburn and uh, Colorado State. I don't know if we played Colorado State um, once before.
1: Yeah, not not to my knowledge. I'm, I'm not sure.
3: Okay, so probably it was like in, in the history books somewhere, but I'll probably uh, research that and I'll tell you all about that one on tomorrow as well.
1: Yeah, please do.
3: But, um, you know, I, I think Auburn's uh, men's basketball program, I think we're going to look good this year with Bruce Pearl and uh, recruiting uh, some of the new players that are coming in. And I think... This year I I see I see Auburn actually making it back to the Final Four uh this year. This this year or maybe next year in twenty twenty four as well. And when that time actually comes next year, I would like to see a brand new improved Auburn program as well.
1: Yeah, this uh, this team this past year obviously fell a little short of what the the mark wants to be, but still I think this team has uh, been this program certainly has been in a good place, and uh, you know obviously the, the goal is to make it back to another Final Four, but uh, still got a long way to go to uh, to see how that goes. You can be one of the best teams in the regular season and not have the tournament run you want to have, or vice versa. But I do think Auburn's on the right track, and I think they're going to have a good team next year.
3: Yeah, so I know there I know there was Uh, you know, that they were going to be going to uh, Cancun this year, like for the summer uh, series or something like that? Uh,
1: Not to my knowledge. No, I don't think they have a a foreign trip planned this year.
3: Okay. Well, if they don't have one planned this year, they might have one planned maybe like in the near future. And um, I will probably see them actually take a trip out to San Juan, Puerto Rico as well, and they can actually play out there and uh, get to see, you know, a lot of the culture and the history of San Juan and just take in all the, all the sights and sounds and, um, and the food that's really amazing out there as well. Just take it from me because I am part Puerto Rican as well.
1: Yeah, people forget that you really like Puerto Rico.
3: Yes, as well. I'm not very good on my Spanish, but once it comes to, like, you know, anything that is dealing with that, um, my Spanish, uh, my Puerto Rican heritage is only singing and dancing. That's that's the main thing about me.
1: Is that kind of why you're a big karaoke guy?
3: Yes, I am. I am uh, a huge uh, karaoke uh, person. I've been uh, doing it for... Uh, quite some years and I'm very experienced in it as well. And um, you know, I, I I see myself actually in the near future actually, you know, doing uh, you know, actual concerts, you know, you know, like karaoke concerts in my near future as well.
1: Wow, that'd be that'd be tremendous. We you'd have to let us know when one of those were
3: okay, I sure would uh, let you all know when that is actually now actually for this game that's going to be played today i would actually have to say the denver nuggets will take game 1 so i think the denver nuggets would sweep away the miami heat and they're just going to bring a lot of ice water to cool down the miami heat for tonight's game as well
1: got to throw some ice on the heat try and cool them off that's for sure do you want some nba finals trivia uh sure all right. Uh, which right, uh, let, let's start uh, with this. Who, which team is the last team to win three straight NBA Finals? Okay,
3: which is the last team that ever won three straight NBA Finals? I will have to say that would be the Golden State Warriors.
1: Very close. They went to three straight Finals. They actually went to five straight Finals. Uh, at one point, but they and they won three total, but they did not win three in a row. You got to go further back than Golden State.
3: Um, I would actually have to say that would be the Miami Heat.
1: Not quite. The Heat won two in a row, and they went to four in a row. You're you're all around it. They, these are good guesses, but you got to <laughs> go a little further back. The hint I'll give you. Is think of a dynamic duo that split up in the mid two thousands and then had uh, each another title separate from each other. One actually had two more titles, and the other guy had one. But this was a dynamic duo in the early two thousands.
3: Um. Okay. In the early two thousands, because I remember this one. It was a two thousand uh, NBA final, and these what three. Uh, games back-to-back with this team. I I have to say, that would be the Los Angeles Lakers.
1: Absolutely correct. Nice job, James. There you go. Look, there's been some great teams in the uh, early 2000s. Lakers were the last time to win three in a row. Those Kobe Shaq Lakers were were a lot of fun. They beat the, uh, the Pacers, 76ers, and Nets in those three finals. You're a big LeBron fan, right?
3: I am, indeed. I am, indeed, because I'm uh, I'm actually related to uh, the King himself, LeBron James. I'm actually related to his grandmother as well.
1: I did not know that. Wow.
3: Yes, it's, actually, it's absolutely true. Um, I was invited to go up to—me uh, and my dad were invited um, months back, Uh, We were invited to go up to Akron, Ohio, to actually uh, meet, well, to actually do a family reunion up there with uh, LeBron James' family and his relatives in Akron, Ohio. But um, something actually came up, and uh, we told his grandmother before she passed away, um, we told her that we couldn't make it, so they just went off without us as well.
1: Oh wow! Okay, I got you. Yeah, no, I uh, I had no idea about that, man.
3: Yeah, so that's why a lot of people like a lot of people always ask me um, why do I play basketball so good because I I played on a team in uh, middle school as well. I was playing; it was a game; it was an actual game, and um, it was called uh, students versus teachers, and I was on the student side of the game, and I actually made the winning shot, and the next day we went. I went back to school, no, no class work
1: for a week. Oh, wow. Uh, that's a that's a great reward then. Uh, that's a big shot that you hit. Yeah, no, I, I was just simply asking you to go to the next trivia question, but uh, wow, you oh, learn something um, every day.
3: Yeah, uh, sure. I'm yeah. ready for the next one.
1: Yeah, so just my next trivia question was just going to be, how many times has Le- LeBron James won the NBA championship?
3: Um, I'll actually have to say he won the NBA championship finals um I'll have to say seven no, I'll take it back. five times.
1: Five times. Five times. Almost. You, uh just off. Try again.
3: Um I'll have to say that would be six.
1: Wrong wrong way. Go go back down. I'm gonna say I know he won one.
3: And I think he won two. So I'll say my
1: final answer would be two. Gotcha. Yeah, No, we, uh, we're we looking for four. He won two with the Miami Heat back in uh, 2011, 2012, or 2012, 2013. Uh, he then won one with the Cavs in 2016, and he won again in the bubble with the Lakers in 2020. So he's been in the finals a lot more than that, but he's won uh, four NBA finals.
3: Okay, yeah, it's because the first one – I actually seen when he played with Miami, I seen that one, and then he played with uh, Cleveland, and then he went back to Miami to uh, finish another game, and then he went back to Cleveland, and then he moved from Cleveland to Los Angeles, and he played those two times with the Los Angeles Lakers twice in the bubble.
1: Yeah, they had uh, one bubble year there, and uh, they, they were able to win the title. Final trivia question for you, then we got to take our hour break. Um, okay. So, last trivia question. Which two franchises are tied for the most NBA titles all time with 17?
3: Uh, they said this. I know they said this last night on the NBA TV. They were talking about this. They were talking about these two teams that, made 17 historic records in the NBA finals and I know one of them is the Denver Nuggets and the other team is the Golden State Warriors
2: no not quite James uh, you, you do have the right state for Golden, uh, the Golden State is in one of those teams is in that state and Denver this is their first time playing in the finals so they haven't won a championship yet.
3: Okay. Um. Mm, I'll just have to take a hard pass on this one, so I'll just have to say uh, the Chicago Bulls.
1: No, uh, good guess. Bulls have won six times, all with Michael Jordan, but the answer is the Los Angeles Lakers and Boston Celtics have won 17 NBA Finals.
3: Oh yeah, that that is actually um, yeah that was the the um, answer that I was actually trying to say. But um, the Boston Celtics and the Los Angeles Lakers did go to 17 time you know championships in, in the
1: finals as well. Yeah, they they won seventeen titles so far in their franchise's history. Well, James, we. Appreciate the phone call from you today, and we uh, look forward to talking to you again soon.
3: All right. Sounds good And War Eagle.
1: War Eagle. That is James from Montgomery joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We're out of time for hour number one. We'll go back to the Auburn Bank phone line to start hour number two. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
0: And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call.
1: Hour number two, starting right now, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress with you here. Coming to you live from our studios on South College Street. Again, reminder, Joe Healy of D1 Baseball coming up at 5.15 to preview the Auburn Baseball Regional Southern Miss, Samford, and the Penn Quakers are in the Auburn Regional. So we'll talk about that coming up at 515. But for now, let's go back to the Auburn Bank phone line at 334 887 341 locally or toll-free, 1-889-TIGER-9. Next up on the show, Wardam Steve. Retired Wardam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you doing?
4: Doing good. Thank you for taking my phone calls always, gentlemen. And uh, is it uh, Batman Robin today, or is it – Lord and Hardy or what, what, Bob uh, Alvin Costello,
1: whichever you prefer.
4: Whichever okay, uh, you guys are pretty humorous. So uh, I haven't listened to the podcast yet from last night. Uh, yesterday's uh, competition about who can uh, best correctly uh, identify the different colas. So I appreciate you guys not uh, leaking that out yet. I look forward to hearing that.
1: Yes, sir. No, it was a fun time though. It took it took really really the whole hour pretty much, but we had a good time.
4: Okay, uh, so let's get. Let's go around the uh, the world of sports, guys.
1: Yes, sir. Uh,
4: how about um, Mr. Uh, Jalen Williams uh, is returning, thank goodness?
1: Yes, uh, him and Dylan Cardwell.
4: Why? Right. And about Mr. Janiah Broom, have you read the uh, column from Nathan King about uh, how close uh, that came to him not returning?
1: Uh, I had not, but again, I could have speculated that it was, it was a tough decision. I mean, the, the process... Went went on there for a while, and again he got that NBA combine invite. So I know he was getting picking up some momentum.
4: Yeah, well, it says on Sunday before Memorial Day, obviously Janae got a call from the Lakers. Oh, okay. who wanted him to fly to LA for a workout on Memorial Day, and that they were considering using him as their number forty-seven overall pick in the second round. Okay, all right. So that's how close he came.
1: Yeah, I, man, that would have been something, yeah.
4: But, he create, of course, nothing was guaranteed to him, so he talked it over with his uh, parents and uh, with uh, Bruce, and Bruce just told him, look, if you're not going to be close to being in the first round, then I would suggest that you return to just improve your stock and to, to get better. So he obviously made the decision to return, thankfully for Auburn fans.
1: Yeah, big big-time returnee for
4: Auburn. Although I do mention, I remember you guys saying that, you know, uh, he could have, uh, I think he was offered by somebody else who wasn't up here uh, to go two ways, yeah. Um, Yeah, in fact, yeah, he said a pair of NBA teams, they didn't name them, offered Janae a two way contract. Why do you think he turned that down, guys?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, two-way contracts are still not as lucrative as getting drafted. Um, that they, they are valuable. I mean, it is a good way to have somebody kind of develop in the G League while still getting some NBA opportunities, and it's a way to kind of carry an extra roster spot at times. But, uh, you know, I, I think that the thought is, is that he really does want to get drafted. Uh, and, and maybe he's got some belief there that he can either get early second round or late first if he has a big year. I think he's going to have to have a really big year to do that, uh, but I think he's just going to be confident after this process that after he gained uh, some notoriety that, that people will be watching him play this year uh, much more often that he will have that opportunity next year.
4: Okay, well, I hope that uh, what you're you know you're predicting uh, will be best for him, will be the best uh, for him as well. Well, let's continue on to the wide world of sports, guys. Um, I know you and I disagree uh, somewhat on the take about. although you are supportive, as I am, about the nine-game SEC uh, track being the one that uh, we prefer. However, I just saw on 247 Sports that SEC, uh, uh, CBS is saying that they're hearing that it's going to be an eight-game uh, SEC schedule uh, have you guys? Uh, can you confirm that?
1: Yeah, no, I've been uh, I've been following along with Brandon Marcello and uh, Ross Stellinger and I mean, again, the, the the I don't think the decision is final, although it could be very soon. There is a meeting going on right now, but uh, the, again, the trends had pointed that direction. So at this point, it's no longer going to be a surprise, Whereas if you told me that a few weeks ago, I would have been surprised.
4: Yeah, well, I guess uh, the saber rule holds because what I've read. Is- that's what uh, Saban is uh, Is favoring. And, uh, again, you know, uh, I know we may differ on the reasons uh, why we favor, why I favor the nine, uh, but my sentiments were best expressed by a column written today by Philip Marshall, and his sentiments was this, that uh, ending the annual series, he said, would be a sad mistake. Uh, it is the longest uh, rivalry uh, in, in the SEC, and, in fact, it's never been interrupted except for uh, World War II, and other than that, you know, yeah, they've beaten us, uh, what is it now, is it nine or ten in a row? I've forgotten.
1: Uh, Last time Auburn beat Georgia was, uh, I believe, 2017 Yeah. uh, in Jordan-Hare before the SEC title game. So once a year since then was about six or seven, something like that, six-ish.
4: But, you know, if we were going by that, then uh, as Auburn fans, I guess we would have wanted to end the uh, uh, Iron Bowl. When uh, we were getting trounced uh, for about nine years in a row.
1: Yeah, way way back when. Yeah, I, I mean, again, that is, uh, yeah, I, I, I certainly wish the rivalry would not uh, would not cease to be played in some years. I know every other year is not horrific, but but I still very much wanted it to be every year, and it might ultimately be that. But obviously, if you go eight games for a couple years, and there will be uh, at least one year there where they would not play.
4: Well, give me the, the justification. Why would it have to be every other year? Because we're on a, an eight-game schedule right now.
1: Because you have two more teams. And, oh, that's right, yeah. Yeah, and they're trying to rotate everyone through in a, in a much quicker manner because obviously now uh, teams don't play in opposite divisions and, and for uh, every six years. Uh, but but uh, they want to have it where everyone is playing everybody at least uh, every other year.
4: Okay, and I heard your comments about – uh south dakota is that right
1: yep sioux falls south dakota for the neutral site oh game. my
4: lord i mean they couldn't have picked i don't know cancun <laughs> uh hawaii uh, uh somewhere in the bahamas
1: yeah i again i was not even completely aware that this was a thing apparently it was last year involving baylor too so uh it's definitely going to be different
4: i mean do you know anything the details about what
2: justified them going to sioux falls
1: I, just, a, I said, the, get a non-conference uh, event that's, the, that's held.
2: The release uh, said that the Sioux Falls, this uh, Sanford uh, Pentagon, has hosted, um, let me see if I can pull this back up, has hosted 80 Division I men's and women's basketball games since opening in 2013. Uh, last December, the Pentagon hosted a rematch of the national championship game between Baylor and Gonzaga, and then two weeks later, they hosted uh, South Carolina and uh, South Dakota State. So... It's been a, you know, it, it's been a neutral site spot that's hosted some big matchups here recently.
4: Okay. Is that what they've got? Is that all they've got? Really? <laughs> you mean to tell me that's what you're going with? That's your justification? My Lord. Boy, uh, well, that's, that, that's really, that's uh, pulling it to uh, um, some strings there. Uh, you mean they couldn't have found uh, somewhere a little bit, uh, I don't know, more, uh, I guess, climate-friendly? Are venue-friendly than, uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, I can think about other places in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, but okay, we'll, we'll, we'll leave that alone. All right, moving on to sports world. About uh, the, uh, first, uh, final, uh, the first uh, championship game tonight, i was look at the records, and you know Denver, of course, has beaten the Heat twice this year, but they were very close games, one by five, one by four points. You know what the line is right now?
1: I think Denver by six or seven.
4: Yeah, no, I saw. Well, it opened up at eight. Is it going down to seven?
1: I don't know. I was guessing. I I, I don't know. Okay. I haven't seen it for sure. Uh, yeah, I'll, I saw an eight. I'll double check it here real quick. Um, I, I know Miami. think that's too much. I know Miami's been under. It's actually up to nine now.
4: Is it? Yeah. Uh, I think that's too big of a spread. I think it'd be closer game than that. I think the Nuggets will win. What do you guys think?
1: Yeah, I I do think Denver will win at home. I, I really don't have a feel for how cl- close of a game it would be. Um, I, I know that Miami has been uh, very good at hanging in there, even when they've lost. But I, I don't know. Denver's really something different, and I, I it would not be surprised. I would not be surprised either way.
4: Okay. Uh, do you see it as a low-scoring or high-scoring game? The uh, totals right now are between two eighteen and a half and two nineteen.
1: I think the lower scoring it goes, the more it favors Miami. I think they want to muck up the game, and 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 in general, Miami is not as good of an offensive team. So higher scoring benefits Denver. I think at home it's easier to play your pace, uh, despite what uh, what Boston did in the last series. And I, I think Denver's so good at getting good shots. I, I think that Denver will score a lot of points.
4: Okay. All right. Now we have another uh, well a championship. Uh, Actually, a final tonight going on TV at uh, 7 o'clock our time on TV. Do um, you happen to know what that is?
1: Uh, 7 o'clock tonight. Uh, I don't know.
4: It's somewhat sports-related. The National Spelling Bee.
1: Oh, yeah, I had no idea.
4: Yes, yeah, on tonight. And uh, it's on channels that uh, I'm not familiar with, but I'll look on my um U-verse channels. It's uh, Ion and Bounce.
1: I've Which I thought was heard of Ion. I don't know. Maybe I've heard about. I'd never watch either channel. I am aware of their existence, but I couldn't tell you what channel they are or anything like that.
4: Neither neither me. And usually, at least in the past, it's been on ESPN. Has it not been?
1: Yeah, the final usually is on like A- ABC, even too. Yeah, yeah.
4: But not, not this one. Not this year. All right, moving on, guys. Uh, how about this one caught my eye from Bleacher Report. The biggest win in TV poker history. Uh, it happened, I guess, yesterday. Uh, I just saw it. Did you happen to see that, what the person won?
1: Was it uh, $3 million? Was that what $3. it was? $3.1 yeah. million,
4: dollars, to be exact.
1: Yeah, I did, now, I did see the,
4: this. The winning is the biggest in TV poker history. That, to me, uh, was astonishing. I thought that would be the, the biggest win ever. Uh, so uh, I'd like to know what, what what has been the biggest win in poker history. Do you happen to know, guys, because that's... Pretty astounding, three point one million.
1: Not off the top of my head. I know the World Series of Poker always pays pays well, but uh, I mean, it's
4: more than that.
1: Uh, I may. I don't know. I mean, again, I don't follow poker closely. That, but I did see that headline pop across.
2: The uh, I yeah, just looked. Does. I just looked it up, and this is from PartyPoker dot At the Party biggest, Poker, yeah, that the biggest win came from Justin Bonomo. In Fairfax, Virginia, or he's from Fairfax, Virginia. He won sixty million two hundred twenty-two thousand nine
1: hundred fifty-four dollars. Holy crap! World? Yeah, I've never heard of that. I've never heard of that.
4: That cost a oh, Holy crap! When was that?
2: Do you know? Uh, let me let me see. Yeah, I. I've I don't. Never... I, it doesn't say.
4: Wow! Like, was that done over a period of days or all in one day?
2: Yeah, I don't know.
4: Okay, wow, that's uh, well, whew. that's astounding. All right, so I was thinking also about some uh, interesting uh, uh, stats about uh, these two teams, and of course, if Denver wins, it'll be the first time in their program history that they've uh, ever won an NBA championship, and the Heat would be the first team who's ever been uh, an eight seeded team to have ever won. Is that right?
1: Yes, uh, this is the first finals period for Denver, and uh, Miami had yeah, the second as an eight seed, and I, I think the 99 Knicks, I forgot who they lost to, but uh, obviously did not win the title.
4: So an eight seed has never won it either?
1: Nope, not in the NBA.
4: So either one of these teams, when they win, it will be a first for, for both of them, and, and also NBA history then.
1: Yep, history will be made in this series for sure.
4: Uh, do you guys know, because I haven't, I haven't seen it, what the tickets are going for, these, uh, for this game?
1: Uh, I know they're more expensive in Denver, but I don't know what they're what they're going for exactly. Uh, okay. I, I know just because Denver's never been, they're, they're a little more excited about it. Miami's at least uh, been, well, really, they've been several times in the last 15, 20 years.
4: Okay. Um, and just real quickly going back to the SEC uh, uh, stuff, I uh, saw here on Sports Grid by guys, I guess they we're doing a podcast, I'll watch a video, Mike Carver and Joe Lisi. They were discussing. Uh, they were taking a hit on uh, Saban because uh, they're poo-pooing his explanation. Apparently, Nick Saban says the, the playing field isn't even. Have you seen their podcast video? I have not. Yeah, well, it's a uh, it's a bit of a, a laugh. They're, they're poking fun at some of his, uh, I guess, explanation. But he's he's saying that uh, apparently he believes that the uh, the players should uh, form a union, and then that would make it uh, much more of an even playing field for all the teams, all the universities. What's your guys? that comment
1: yeah i mean i i don't really have strong feelings one way or the other um i i suppose it's something that could happen one day but again that would just be another step to pro i mean that would just be pro stuff um so i'm not not too interested in that honestly but i i have no idea if it ended up happening or not
4: yeah i hope it doesn't go that way because to me they're no longer student athletes it'll be more like just a mini nfl league all right and how about this, guys? Another baseball coach has been fired in the gambling uh, scandal. Have you know that? I just saw this.
2: There's the uh, the Cincinnati baseball coach, wasn't it? Yes,
4: Scott Goggins, who apparently resigned after yeah. six seasons. Yeah, I saw that uh, last night. Yeah, and I read the end. In- apparently, there's a connection with the Alabama uh, baseball program's uh, gambling scandal. And apparently, this all resulted from Mr. Burr Eugene Neff, Jr., who is an Indiana resident who drew attention from an Ohio sports book after placing suspicious wagers on the Alabama-SU baseball game on April 28th. They discovered that Neff was in communication with the Alabama coach, Brad Bohannon, at the time he placed his bets. How interesting there. Now, Neff happens to be the father of who? Cincinnati sophomore pitcher Andrew Neff. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. And so this... uh, uh, Webb continues to be uh, rather duplicitous here, but uh, uh, will there be anything that comes to this guy? Will be uh, further scandals? Will more people legally? I guess they they could be criminal investigations.
2: Yeah, I guess it would just be what uh, whatever the the uh, Ohio gambling boards come up with. I think that's would be the who would who would have a, a say in this legally.
4: Yeah, because we got not only Ohio now. We got Iowa and Iowa State. Uh, they're, they're also involved in all this too. Um, And I I don't even get, you know, they haven't put the the, the, the dots together as to, you know, how all these people connected with each other. But I'm sure eventually we'll find out, right?
2: Yeah, it always does.
4: Okay. And finally here, uh, this is way too early, but uh, this comes from the ranking of college football's 10 hardest skates in 2023. It comes from college football headquarters on Fan Nation. Have you seen their uh, ten? Hardest schedules in two t- 2023 yet?
1: Uh, was Auburn sixth on this list? Is that where they were?
4: No. They weren't even on there.
1: Okay. Uh, no, I know then I haven't they seen They weren't
4: it. even on there. Ten is Kentucky. Okay. And they're going by this. I mean, this is so not very really difficult to do the way they did it. They're merely adding up the wins and losses for each team on the schedule. That's how they did it.
1: Uh, yeah, that's not the best way of doing it because of no. the, the, the group of five stuff.
4: Because if you're going to leave Auburn out, and we're playing who? <clears throat> Every year. This year's no different. Georgia, Alabama, and LSU. Okay. But anyway, we didn't make it. Kentucky Kentucky's number 10, according to them. And then number nine is Kansas State. And then number eight, Ohio State. I'm sure they play a brutal schedule. Um, Ohio Iowa State, number seven. Uh, who's, who's their schedule like? Florida's tied for six, okay. And they're tied with Houston for sixth place. And then we got Missouri, number five. Okay, and then we have Ole Miss, number four. Number three, West Virginia. Number two, Michigan State. And number one, guys, who is it? I don't know. I'd have picked Vanderbilt. Sure. But they chose South Carolina.
2: Well, they do have to play Clemson and Georgia. And, uh, okay. the, yeah, and Florida.
4: the poor Vanderbilt. I mean, they they play everybody that can beat them.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, again, if they were just going off win-losses, then, I mean, that's just adding up numbers. So, I mean, it wasn't like it was an opinionated exercise there. It was just based off of wins and losses.
4: Yeah, no, it really wasn't very much contest. And uh, I did see that apparently, uh, according to Philip Marshall, that uh, everybody's uh hooping and hollering and slapping over Southern Miss, but he says watch out for Sanford.
1: Yeah, I mean I it's they're baseball teams, but again I if, if someone's losing to Sanford, someone's had a really bad day.
4: Well, Monday I saw you have a bad day. Okay. So um what's your guys uh leads right now? Um do you agree with the uh, I think what you said is it six pickers picked uh Southern Miss to take it?
1: Yeah, six out of 11. Then the other five had Auburn.
4: Well, well what are your leads, Guy, objectively?
1: I would say about 75-25 Auburn. Uh, and then I would not include anyone other than Southern Miss in those chances.
2: Yeah, I'd, I'd say I'd, I'd go a little bit more confident in Auburn. I'd go 80-20 Auburn. But I would, the, the other 20 would definitely just be Southern Miss. There wouldn't be a Samford or a Penn thrown in there. Okay. Do you happen to know what the pitching schedule would be like for Auburn?
1: Yeah, so Friday it looks like it's going to be Chase Alsip, uh, and then they're going to have Herbert Hulse and Vale available for Saturday. So I, I don't know if it'll depend on what the who they play on Saturday or what the result is Friday if they have to go to one of those guys. But um, they're going to they're going to go Alsip first, and then have one of those other two guys on Saturday.
4: Would you go with that if you were the coach?
1: Yeah, I mean, you're playing the four seed. I I really would want to not throw my best arm. Um, I would definitely try and save Vail for the weekend. So, uh, Alsip's definitely had some good performances as of late, and you also just flat out hope you just score a ton of runs against Penn, too. So, I would would definitely not throw the ace of the staff uh, on Friday night.
4: Okay, thanks for your comments, guys. My time is up. As always, I always thank you for the time that you allow me. So, with that said, have a safe afternoon and evening. And I look forward to the uh, listening to the podcast from last night about the uh, cola drinking, uh, I guess, entertainment. And uh, yes, sir. we'll talk to you tomorrow, guys. War Eagle.
1: War Eagle, Steve. Appreciate your phone call. That is retired Ward AM Steve joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We're going to take our next time out of the show. Back with more sports call right after this. <laughs>
0: We need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. This is former Auburn football player Danny Skuptak, and you are listening to the Abbey Award winning Sports Call Auburn.
1: Back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress with you here on this beautiful Thursday afternoon, about halfway through the show this afternoon. Again, reminder, 515 Joe Healy, D1 Baseball, will be joining us. He is covering the Auburn Regional for D1 Baseball this weekend, and he will give us his thoughts on the Auburn Regional as well as some of these other regionals. Really be going to be interested to see what he says uh, about the uh, – opportunity for Tennessee to try and knock off Clemson. Now, normally, Brooks, I'm not a big Tennessee baseball person, as I think a lot of people <laughs> are not, uh, but uh, if Auburn can take care of their business, I certainly would not mind Auburn having a, a host site for a super regional, so yeah. uh, that would be something to ask Joe about, for sure.
2: You know, we we've kind of felt, uh, we mentioned this earlier this week off off the show, um, but it felt like there was a situation when Auburn hosted last year, that I think was it was kind of a similar situation. Everybody was uh, eyeing, oh, if Auburn can take care of business here, they got a chance uh, uh, super regional. Because uh, if you'll remember, that Oregon Corvallis uh, super or regional featured Vanderbilt, and so everybody, you know, you, you looked at it, you're like, oh, maybe if Vanderbilt goes up there, yeah, gets a win, get, wins that regional over Oregon State, Auburn wins. Auburn's hosting Vanderbilt, obviously. Didn't happen. Right. Oregon State got got business done, um, and you know you you look at it. There's a reason Clemson's hosting, and so you you would think they're going to be favored in all the games. Uh, but Tennessee's a team that they've got a lot of talent, and it's it, they're one of those teams that, it, and I'm sure you know uh, we'll we'll talk about it a little bit later. But Tennessee's one of those teams that's kind of surprising how they they weren't leading the conference this year like they did last year. They they still had a lot of talent that was left over from last year's team, and so. You know they find themselves a do seed. Uh, they'll take on Charlotte tomorrow as their opening game, and then we'll see. Uh, we there's there's definitely a it, it's definitely a visible path for Auburn to host a super regional that that's for sure. Well,
1: and I I value Tennessee's chances more than I did Vandy's last year just because Tennessee uh, is been playing better lately, mm-hmm. right? Like last year they were awesome all year long. Uh, they they couldn't be better. Yeah. But at some point, that had they had to come down to earth a little bit, and then it happened at the worst time for them in the postseason. They didn't even make the the calls World Series. They didn't
2: even make a super regional. Uh, they they, even, they crashed out in that, their own region. That's right. Notre Dame beat them. Uh,
1: uh, unbelievable. And so, I feel like kind of not payback, but some they they want to kind of avenge last year's disappointment. Yeah. And it's just kind of a sports thing where the, the great team that looked awesome, looked number one all year long, goes nowhere. And then the team that just looked okay is the team that went as far as you thought the other team would. So yeah. I don't know. I, I I just have a weird feeling about that. We might come on, Clemson might wipe four with them. Heck, Charlotte might beat them uh, or something, <laughs> and, and then I just look dumb. But the, to me, that just struck me as interesting because I did not think uh, that was a, a pairing for Clemson to be too happy about. want to go over kind of a couple hodgepodge things here. Of uh, the college football world. And we've spent a lot of time in the SEC this week with the SEC spring meetings, waiting to hear uh, some more news uh, from those. But uh, have had some news out west with Big 12 and Pac 12 throughout the week. And just more, uh, just beautiful things happening to the Pac 12. Longtime Pac 12 Bowl partner, the Holiday Bowl, is suing the Pac 12 and UCLA. For more than three million in damages after UCLA refused to play hours before kickoff of 2021 game versus NC State. Holiday has third longest tie in amongst Pac 12 bulls. And so it's been uh, a unbelievably slow. And now we've got breaking news. As soon as I I was making <laughs> that point, uh that was gonna it's gonna take precedence over this. We'll shelve Pac twelve hate. Uh, I I used to hate on Tennessee all the time. Yeah, you can't do that after the year they just had. Yeah, uh, vast incompetence for 15 years overwritten in a matter of one beautiful Hendon Hooker season. So uh, my new punching bag is the Pac-12. But I, I digress. Uh, we do have breaking news. As soon as I said we didn't, Brandon Marcello, the SEC will play an eight-game schedule in 2024. This was to adopt, to adopted today only for 2024. So, let's break this down. Uh, this is the temporary solution that became more popular. Uh, this is the solution that um, I, I think would have made me more upset before the week. Um that would have made me, uh, you know, I wanted a long-term solution to this deal, but as I heard out the reasoning for taking a year and figuring out, it made sense. Yeah, I didn't want it to. I wanted the nine-game model. I wanted it permanently. Uh, but they want to see what the playoffs going to look like in 24. And a league that um, has dominated this thing uh, in, in various programs – uh, look, Alabama for a long time has obviously been top of the hill and now Georgia is, is going on, uh, a heater, but even amidst that, I mean, uh, of these last 10 or 15 years, we've talked about runs other teams have had LSU just a couple of years ago with Burrow and that offense. Uh, we've seen, uh, obviously Florida titles kind of predating the, the, the Alabama stuff, but, uh, yeah, the Auburn title in 10, had another run in the title game in 13. Uh, this, this conference obviously uh, has had others besides the dominant team or two uh, be able to break through, and, and then that will only increase when you have Oklahoma and Texas because we know damn well that Oklahoma and Texas are, are great enough programs at any one moment Go and produce a playoff caliber team. As a matter of fact, Oklahoma was doing that year in year out uh, under uh, under Lincoln Riley. So until he left them, and, and they had a weird year, weirdly bad year. with Brent Venable's they were almost a playoff lock. They were a lock to not go, go anywhere in the playoff, lose to pick SEC team here. But Oklahoma was going year in year out, uh, and so the SEC wants to see, obviously. What what's going to happen with this playoff. So, eight-game model, but just one year. So the league will play eight conference games in 2024 when Texas and Oklahoma join. They, According to Ross Stellinger, who's now on this, uh, they still believe they're going to get to nine eventually. Um, that was the belief heading into Destin. Yeah. That's what we thought. We kind of... We ran, ran with it, Brooks, this spring. We were doing we shows where yeah. we were picking. I was talking about this I, the other day. Probably
2: still have the paper sitting on the desks.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I said to one of our callers that we were we were doing this whole 9 k model and picking our teams, and then you did a, a better job than me, and by the end of it, I was having to cross over things, and I'm about to rip up the paper. Um, so division is eliminated. Yep. There will not be a division in 24, uh, and then there. You know, Sankey saying they're still exploring a long-term scheduling format uh, with with uh, dialogue still fully open. Um, so one pat, when well, you got. I I don't even know if it's right to say one constant because this is one year. Yeah. I, I don't know if they're. I mean, you're, the schedule is going to be the schedule, and you might not have another year of eight games. So really, I I don't think they're going to be marketing as these teams have one constant opponent. This could be. Uh, just whatever. Forever. I mean, it, I, I assume that the, all the rivalries will be in there. Well,
2: I'm going to say the um, Brett McMurphy four minutes ago tweeted the SEC's 2024 schedule will be announced on June 14th in a special primetime show on the SEC network. So we're really? only going to go ahead and get the S- in two weeks, two weeks from yesterday, we're going to go ahead and get that 2024 schedule. And that was something that wasn't, you know, we, we was they announced like in the fall during football or during college football. Like, they'd, they'd come on on a random – it'd be a random Tuesday night in the fall. They'd be like, here's the next year's football schedule, and we're, like, two games into the first one, or into the, the current year schedule.
1: So, uh, so you said the 14th? 14th. And did did you say a time?
2: Uh, it's just going to be a primetime Nine. SEC Network special.
1: So, we can't have, like, live reaction <laughs> show of sports call?
2: I mean, primetime in the Eastern time zone starts at 5, so if they start at 5 –
1: Oh, uh, no, that's going to be – no, that's going to be, like, 6 or 7 – uh, Central Time, probably. Man, I, I tell you what, I, it's still a little disappointing. I know that we've been building up to this the last couple of days. That this is what's going to go. But again, it this is fi- I mean, this is going to be an event now. I mean, that that the show the next day is going to be breaking down the schedule oh, yeah. for oh, twenty four, yeah. even though we're not even twenty three yet. And
2: the- you know, getting rid of divisions opens up the possibility, obviously, of two traditional East or West teams playing in Atlanta. You could have another. You could have a rematch of you know Alabama and LSU, a couple weeks after they played.
1: Yeah, I mean, with without divisions, like th- there's no telling how they're going to do this. Uh, again, a lot of news coming out right now. We're trying to digest <laughs> live. I'm trying to read like eight consecutive tweets, which is not going well for me. In the uh, the attempt to that they've also they're they're they looks like they're increasing the fines for rushing the field or the court. Hundred thousand for first offense, two hundred and fifty K for second offense, five hundred K for third offense offense. Each each institution resets to no offenses moving forward. So that so means back down to zero if you're Tennessee. And that you means took, Auburn
2: upsets Alabama this year. It's only a hundred thousand dollar fine.
1: Right. Um so okay. Uh but again, let me clear thoughts again. All right. All right, with everything Reset. we know. Temporary eight game schedule, two thousand twenty four. No word on the future. Goal still to get to nine, according to the SEC. There will be an event in about two weeks, June 14th, SEC Network. They will reveal the 2024 SEC schedule. There is no telling which eight it will be. No, I would, uh, I would start with everyone's top rival will play. I will start with, I'm sure, the Iron Bowl will happen, Florida, Georgia, Oklahoma, Texas, so on and so forth. Beyond that, there is no telling because again, if this was the constant model, you would rotate every two years. So if you didn't have a team that year, say twenty-four, you'd have them in twenty-five. But since this could only be one year, there's no telling which eight teams it's going to be.
2: And let me let me go through. This is the you know it wasn't officially announced, but this is what the conference schedule would have looked like for Auburn coming up next year is obviously you would have had all the West teams, so Alabama, Arkansas, LSU, A&M, Mississippi State, Ole Miss. You would have had Georgia, and then that extra game, that rotating game would have been Florida at Jordan-Hare Stadium. And So so,
1: could you – let's try and think hard here. Oklahoma and Texas joining, how much does it dilute that? What I'm saying is – could you make it as true to what was gonna happen 24 as possible? Because that would have been the last year. The yeah. final year of the rotation was 24. Could you make it as clean as possible? And if so, what would need to be done for Oklahoma and Texas? Uh to 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 not mess as much stuff up as possible? Because there there is some way, if we can think of this quickly, mm. where You play very close to what the schedule is going to be. Six, maybe even seven of the games you are going to play.
2: So you need eight games. So ten, well, eight games each. So that'd be sixteen games. You need you need to set up sixteen games for Texas and Oklahoma combined. So
1: and I'm sure one of them's themselves. So you're down to fourteen like that. Yeah.
2: So you're you need fourteen games. There are. Do you
1: interfere with the other fourteen teams one time?
2: I would, that's what I was. That's what I was just about to say. Is you take one game away from somebody, and give it to them, in Texas and Oklahoma,
1: and then that creates again. It's really hard to do this without a visual. Uh, but, would
2: you, Would you like some? Do you see the uh, Brett McMurphy tweet from Greg Sankey? Uh, SEC's Greg.
1: Yeah, that's why we live speculation, live reaction show right now. Uh, SEC's Greg Sankey says eight game league schedule will be determined based on expectation of fairness and balance. And honor our traditional rivalries.
2: That means Vanderbilt's getting stuck with someone, but not for the fact that uh, if you're a good team, you're not going to get stuck with Vanderbilt.
1: So, well, or if you're a good team, you you get a bunch of tough stuff, yeah. and then you get Vandy. True. That can um, happen. We've got about six or seven minutes left in the hours. <laughs> we continue to digest. This is great. No, I'm I this for June to, to be this sudden of a, of an or this much news in one day or this significant of news I should rephrase that
2: also I don't, I don't know if this would affect anything you know last year when we got the 2023 schedule reveal going into it and I, again this is later in the year Auburn didn't know their fourth opponent and when the schedule came out – or Auburn hadn't announced their fourth opponent for non-conference. And when the schedule came out, they said, oh, they're playing the Samford Bulldogs. And you're like, oh, I guess they're playing Samford. Yeah. Auburn's only got three non-conference games on their 2024 schedule right now. So maybe you, maybe we go ahead and learn that fourth non-conference game in two weeks.
1: So uh, let me also digest this. Uh, I, this doesn't affect Auburn. Auburn has the, the Cal trip again. Well, not the trip, but Cal coming back to Auburn in yeah. twenty four, right? Chuck Dunlap, who's head of communication for the SEC, uh, SEC teams will play eight conference games plus one required opponent from the ACC, Big Ten, Big 12, Pac 12, or major independent during the 24 season when University of Oklahoma and University of Texas join the league. I don't know. Uh, I'd have to, again, I research that would take longer than the four to five minutes we have left. Uh, who in the conference, if any, do not have that for twenty four? But that is a potentially in- interesting qualifier. If there are a few teams that do not have a Power Five opponent listed for twenty four, they must get one.
2: And the only thing that I could think of is if someone had to cancel a game because of our Oklahoma coming Texas, and Texas yeah. coming in because. Alabama, you know, and you know, I'm going to I'm going to run through the research. Alabama's at uh, got a road game at Wisconsin. All right, Alabama, check. Arkansas is at Oklahoma State. Check. We know Auburn is uh, hosting Cal. Check. Florida, the one that I'm questioning is Georgia. Okay. Uh, Florida takes on Miami. Check. That should be a. And they have
1: Florida State anyway.
2: They do have Florida State. Georgia, they've got Georgia. Tech. Florida State.
1: No, they're good. Check.
2: Yeah. Um, But they're also playing Clemson. Double check. So double check. (laughs) Um, I K- bet
1: it's like old Miss or something. Kentucky's got
2: Louisville already. Check, yeah, uh, and that's who that is because they don't have anybody else. It's Louisville, yeah. um, LSU. They are, they're go- this year they're on the back end of that Florida State deal. Yeah, and so this they oh they've got two. They're already set up. You get a trip to L- LA to take on USC, Check. and then you host UCLA. Oh well, so two Big Ten. So they're just going to stay out there,
1: or no, one of them home, one yeah, of them away. No, one
2: of them's home. Okay. Uh Mississippi State is at Arizona State. Check. So we're getting we're getting down to the nitty gritty. So,
1: so, so what Dunlap said might be irrelevant. everyone might already have
2: uh Mizzou, a power team. Mizzou's going Missouri with,
1: and Ole Miss are who scare me.
2: Uh Boston College. Check. Uh Ole Miss.
1: Sometimes they use Memphis as their top.
2: Ole Miss is at Wake Forest. Oh, check. So that's a South Carolina's automatically got Clemson. Clemson. Yep. But let's see if they did anybody else. No, just they're at Clemson. Um, Now my computer's being wonderfully fun. Uh, Tennessee. It feels like this could be the other end of the Virginia series. Um, No, they're NC State next year at at, uh, Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte. Good enough. Check. And then Texas A&M. You know, they sometimes don't have... A big time. Well, they're playing Notre Dame.
1: Yeah, they had Colorado last year, but it would have qualified. Notre Dame. Well, that's definitely a check.
2: And then that Vandy. leaves Vandy. So maybe it's a moot point.
1: <laughs> this could be a communication to say, "Hey, Vandy, schedule somebody."
2: Vandy's playing Virginia Tech at Nissan Stadium.
1: All right. So uh, SEC's already covered. Yeah, they are. Every single team has a Power Five team in twenty-four. So um, fascinating stuff. Again, what the exercise I was trying to do, we were trying to do, and we yeah. only got two and a half minutes now is. If you took Texas and Oklahoma and they each played one team, uh, so that's the 14 games they need, That 14 teams remain, every team would only have to change their schedule by one game next year. Um, yeah. Now, and, and of course, you would just kind of use – you'd have to schedule based off those remaining 14, each other. I mean, that's everybody, though. So, but, so everybody's game would change one. But what it sounds like, if you read into what Sankey said, this is going to be at random. This is not going to be related to what would have been the rotation in twenty-four. Yeah, uh, and that that that's just <laughs> that that is going to lend itself to being very awkward because somebody's going to get screwed. Somebody like Arkansas that, did in that yeah, twenty-twenty season. Yes, yeah, somebody is just going to get 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 handed to them with again it wouldn't be a big deal if you knew it was a two year yeah because you know it's going to come back around you know you know the you're going to get the other half of the league and and that might be a much easier half for you and then you're like you suck it up in 24 you get 25 but once they create the nine game model you could in theory have back to back years where you just are in it yeah. or or you could have 24 be awful and then tw- and 25 happy birthday your three rotation is awful and you'll always have three tough teams so uh, they they got to be gonna have to be delicate about it. Uh, they're gonna have to be smart about it, uh, and it's gonna give us more great summer content because we're just gonna be able to live a reaction almost um, the 24 schedule and tell you if Auburn's in a good place or compared to other teams and not.
2: I forgot to check because they're still not officially in the conference. But Oklahoma, Texas—I forgot to check their 2024 schedule. Texas has got Michigan.
1: Yep. Um,
2: sure. And the here, we found it. I found it.
1: Oh, it's Oklahoma. It's
2: Oklahoma that does. They're, they're non conference right now. They got
1: Tulsa or they, something. They've
2: got Temple and Tulane scheduled right now for 2024. So they've got to find somebody in the Big Twelve or in the, yeah the Big Twelve, Big Ten, Pac twelve or ACC. Yeah.
1: <laughs> hey. Good luck. You know who they used to play every year in the Big Twelve? Everyone in the state of Oklahoma would have fun? I mean. Just play Bedlam one more do year. Do it. I just, I, that's what I would want them to do. But they've got two opportunities to do that, because obviously with the Big 12 already having a nine-game schedule, yeah. they only plan to have – they had one spot remaining, so now they'll have two because they only have eight conference games uh, scheduled with the SEC. That's fascinating. But, again, the breaking news, 2024, there will be an eight-game SEC schedule. Temporarily uh, stopping the, the roll of nine games. The hope is still to get to nine games. Again, we'll have more after this timeout. Again, 5:15. Joe Healy will join us. He'll talk Auburn baseball and Auburn baseball regional and some of these SEC teams. Stay tuned. A lot more sports call coming up after this hour break.
0: Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started.
1: Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress with you here this afternoon in just about 10 or so minutes we'll be talking to joe healy of d1 baseball previewing the auburn regional in the meantime we continue to talk about the breaking news from the southeastern conference we
2: and no it didn't expand
1: again no it did not uh we did a whole show, almost a whole show on scheduling this spring talked about nine versus eight multiple times all to have a one-year solution <laughs> Uh, We will have, according to the SEC, straight out from the SEC, an eight-game schedule, an eight-game conference schedule in 2024 only. And the hope is to see at that point uh, if something long-term can be submitted for 2025 and beyond. So only doing this necessarily for one year. Again, the timeline, this kind of centers around, yes, money's involved, but I think that this is very much in tune with trying to figure out what's going to be the right formula to get as many playoff teams in as possible because of course you can play out the 24 season and then you can come up with a long-term model the following spring now granted i mean that that's going to be very short term you know you're not going to know who you're playing for 25 until maybe a few months before and that's kind of not, or that's just not normal uh, but I, I think that they would be willing to do it one time if it meant doing something long-term and getting the information they needed. So, again, what you need to know, no divisions for 2024. So to be a league champion, you know, top two will go to the SEC title game. There will be some. There'll have to be some tiebreakers in all likelihood. Um, the schedule will be announced in two weeks, June the 14th we will not know the dates or times or anything like that we'll just know the eight sec games that they're announcing and uh again uh, rivalries seem to be a priority according to greg sankey so does that mean for auburn that uh, auburn and georgia will be played that year i i would surmise and i've been wrong before and i'll be wrong again but I surmise that... Not that you'll be
2: wrong. I wasn't agreeing that you're going to be wrong. Well,
1: I, but, we, you know, we, we all get it wrong from time to time, and again, I surely have, and, and will again, but I, I my best guess would mean, if you read between that line, something like Auburn-Georgia is going to be on the schedule in 2024. Uh, some of these secondary rivalries will be on the schedule in 2024, because even if you go to the eight-game model as a permanent model, then... Well, you rotate in the twenty five, and then twenty five is when you don't play them. So, because again, you play them every other year, regardless. You don't have to go on some weird purge here in twenty twenty four. Yeah. W- when you might be able to keep them anyway with the nine team schedule. Uh. So, I I kind of think Brooks that we're going to have uh, all the big rivalries in the conference, and that that will include the reintroduction of Texas and Texas A and M, uh, very possibly. Yeah. Um, Any thoughts on ultimately arriving at the one-year temporary model and also how they're going to announce the schedule, who might be on the
2: schedule? I'll tell you what. Somebody's going to get a – get a handful in with this schedule. It it you know, Sankey uh the quote was that everything's gonna be determined via fairness and, you know, stuff like that. But somebody somebody's gonna get get it. Like Arkansas did. We mentioned it before, Arkansas got it that when you had to make that weird schedule for 2020. Arkansas absolutely got the the bad end of that deal. And so somebody's gonna get a bad end of this deal and you know it, it somebody's gonna get a really good end and you're gonna look at that team and you're you're gonna say, Well how how come they got it? And the, you know, I'm sure that's going to be a question asked uh, at SEC media days later this summer when that, after that schedule comes out, it's going to be, you know people are going to ask, well, how did you you know you you said this? These are the parameters, but why is it that X team got this schedule and B team got this schedule? And so, you know, it, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens here. I, I do think uh, I, I'm I am on the same lines as you. I think it, it feels like you're going to you know it's going to be protected the the main rivals and your secondary rivals. So you'll still see Alabama and. Auburn Alabama and Tennessee Auburn Georgia uh and you know like you said it, it could also right you know be the Texas Texas a you may get that for a year and get everybody a taste of what's to come here in the in the new SEC slate of uh of games which that'd be a weird weird thing to watch like what what if that was on SEC network that'd be that'd be really <laughs> weird to watch wouldn't it yeah. uh, especially if it was in Texas like if it was in Austin that'd be that'd be super weird to watch um but, yeah, it, it's you know it it gives them a little more time to figure things out. And you know it like you know we talked about it, it felt like this is the way it could have been trending going into SEC spring meetings that started this week. and and so it it gives you ever gives you a chance to figure things out. It gives you a chance to do, you know, do do something with your schedule that you you know you otherwise wouldn't get to do because you already had it planned out for next year. Florida was coming to Auburn. Uh, Auburn was going to Georgia and Alabama. Now, you know, I, I saw someone throw this in on Twitter. This could be the, the way you fix, remember, a few years ago, this oh, a few years ago is, is relative now, when you had the back-to-backs where you changed the schedule up and you had back-to-back Georgia and uh, Auburn and Georgia at the same venue. This could be how you fix that and, you know, fix the, the years of, well, you got back-to-back games. I don't remember if it was it was it back-to-back at Georgia or was it back-to-back at Auburn.
1: I don't even remember at this point when it started. Twelve, I think so. So I think eleven and twelve were both in Athens. So because th- thirteen was in Auburn, ten was in Auburn.
2: This could be the the way you fix that is where you got Auburn at Georgia or Georgia is coming to Auburn this year. And the next year you throw them back, and back, and then you get back on the you know every other year if if you go to that nine game uh the you stay on the eight game series and it's just rotates every other year you play Georgia you're you know you're back on that and even if you go to a nine game you're back to you know an even par with with the you know with with the Bulldogs so. It, there's there's a lot of interesting you know components to this. I'm really interested to see that SEC championship game because you could very well still get Alabama versus Georgia, which what it would it, which is probably what would it it could be. If it was the SEC East versus the West, but there's a possibility because you've seen LSU, you know, gain momentum here. There, there's a possibility you could see like an Alabama and LSU. You could see a a Georgia, you know, if Florida get, kicks things up a notch here in the couple, you know, next years, uh, you could see a Georgia versus Florida. That, that'd be fun. You'd see the top two teams yeah, you in the could conference. See Texas yeah,
1: one of those first time ever start to factor in them into the conversation. So,
2: so I think the non-division is really gonna gonna be an interesting thing, and I don't, you know. I, and they really didn't specify if they were going to go back to divisions afterward. It's just this next year is going to be non-division, and then we'll see what happens. Yeah,
1: I, I, I think divisions are dead because that that the only two models they were considering were both divisionalist models. I, I, I think divisions are gone. They're they're either going to do the eight with one and seven common or one one constant seven different. Or they're going to do the nine with with three constant and six rotating. I I, I do think divisions are gone officially. Um, so, the a point you brought up that I'd yet to to think about was, um, yeah, some people are, get really upset if you have to have play back to back years yeah. in a locale. Um, Auburn did that just a couple of years ago with South Carolina, which in yeah. theory shouldn't have been. A big deal except Auburn win and, and lost both those and that it was it was not great it was not ideal um, so you could have that you, you, you could have a situation where teams play each other at a certain location this year and next year I suppose that is possible or on the other side play teams in the same place in 24-25 I think they can get it shouldn't be a rampant thing it's not like that's something that should have to happen all across the board They might be able to weed it down to very few, if any. But that is something that people consider uh, for sure as, as a negative if you have to do something like that. But there's no telling because, yeah, although you would say, yeah, division or not, Alabama and Georgia are the favorites, but what if they're playing each other on that schedule? And then what if another contender like an LSU or a Texas or somebody was not playing either one somehow? Or was at least only playing one, you know? What I mean, then then all of a sudden, you could at least get into the tiebreaker stuff yeah. at minimum because someone will have to lose an Alabama Georgia meeting. But again, they may not play. It may may it may be uh, set up well. It may not be, but it is going to be. Uh, everyone will be again another TV event created by by the SEC, by the SEC Network. Uh, again, that is going to be in just two weeks in June the fourteenth, so Wednesday, June fourteenth. So our Thursday show is going to be going to be fascinating. Uh, we're going to completely forget that that's not even the next season. Yep. That there is an entire season to play from the end of August to the middle of January this year. We're just going to forget that that's going to exist, and we're going to sc- skip it for a moment and go into what's going to go down in 24, and we're all going to get heated about it or happy about it, one of the two. And it's going to be great. I'm also, looking forward to it.
2: the fact that the SEC is you know, announcing this, but they're not doing dates or times, so they leave the door open and said, we're still going to have another uh, uh, TV A no- special yeah. later in the fall to we'll let you know when you're playing each other. Yeah,
1: when, when you get this like third straight awful game or, or – <laughs> You know, the, you've got to play the. you got to th- play Georgia, LSU, teams. and
2: Bama all back to back
0: weeks.
1: Yeah, but don't worry because we'll break it up with. <laughs> oh, wait, Tennessee's good again? <laughs> oh, uh, no. So there's no tally, but we're looking forward to that. We did take our next time out. When we come back, Joe Healy of D1 Baseball will join us. He'll talk all things Auburn Regional. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
0: Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. This is Philip Lolly, former Auburn Tigers football assistant coach for the 2010 National Championship team, and you are listening to Sports Call.
1: Welcome back to Sports Call here on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress with you here on this Thursday afternoon. And we're now pleased to go to our Auburn Bank phone line and welcome on a special guest today. He's Joe Healy of D1Baseball.com, covers the SEC with SEC Extra on D1Baseball.com, does a lot of things with D1 Baseball, and will be uh, covering the Auburn Regional this weekend. Joe, the time is greatly appreciated. Uh, Thank you for doing this today. How are things in your world?
5: Uh, doing well. I appreciate you guys having me
1: on. Absolutely. We're we're really astounded by this team's resurrection mid-S, uh, mid-SEC mid schedule. we we got to start with that. Uh, midway through SEC play, Joe, as you are very aware, this team was just fighting to get in the field. It was starting to come up with scenarios to, to feel good about making the NCAA tournament. All of a sudden, a complete 180. And now this team ends up hosting a regional. How did that happen, and just how drastic of a change uh, is that in the in the world of college baseball?
5: Yeah, I mean, it was it's really been kind of a night and day thing. I mean, it's amazing going from five to ten to having the best record in the SEC over the second half of SEC play at, at twelve and three. a really uh, impressive turnaround. I think two things happened. One is you know the lineup got healthier. they they had a cohesive lineup over the second half of SEC play, whereas in the first half, you, you know, you missed Bobby Pierce for a little bit. You missed Cooper McMurray for a little bit. Cole Foster missed two or three games there at one point. So, you know, you, you kind of had guys coming in and out. So the second half, they had a little bit more consistency in that regard. And I think the bigger thing is that the pitching, while it's still not perfect and while that's still my primary concern with Auburn, there there is a little bit more there to feel good about. I mean, Tommy Vale has emerged as really a, a, a true Friday guy in the SEC, which I didn't see coming. It's a sixth-year senior who's had two prior stops and was – you know, okay, but not great in those stops. And he's done a really nice job. And Christian Herberholt who seems like he's back healthy, ready to go for the regional. We'll, we'll see what kind of pitch count he ends up on when he throws. But, you know, he, he's back and ready to go. He led the team in ERA and SEC play. So you, you combine that with, you know, Chase also pitching better and Will Cannon still being consistent and they can rely on him. You know, Connor Copeland has had some some good outings. So, you know, slowly but surely, and, and Butch and his staffs are kind of famous for this thing. Slowly but surely, they, they kind of figure it out of the mound as time went on.
2: Joe, you, you kind of answered my, my next question there, but when you look at the field that Auburn is going up against this weekend, the Southern Miss, Sanford, and Penn, what do you think is the biggest challenge for the pitching staff? It's going to be
5: Troy if they end up in a, let's say, you know, they, they get Troy in a regional final or they get Troy if, if Auburn falls into an elimination game and they have Troy on Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon, for example, to get to the regional final. When when pitching is thin and you've thrown all of your top guys and you're just looking to survive, a that, that, that Troy lineup can wear you out. Um, so that that's kind of a, a dangerous situation if Auburn ends up in, a, in something like that. Southern misses lineup is veteran, so they can be a specific challenge, but it's not the most dynamic physical lineup, I think Auburn should be able to pitch to that a little bit. Um, but again, it is a veteran group so you're, they're they're not going to beat themselves. They're not going to, you know, typically not chase pitches. They're not going to give away at-bats. So that can be a tough challenge too if you end up in a winner's bracket game with them. But I think the most dangerous lineup that they're going to face um, is, is Troy's just given the power they have led by a by uh or i'm sorry i said troy i'm in i get those two <laughs> all good. i'm also going to be i'm also going to be in tuscaloosa this weekend can you tell uh. Uh, <laughs> but the, the Sanford lineup I, all the same things still apply i meant samford i said troy sure. um if you get into a, 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 a regional final with them, you get into an elimination game later in the weekend that's a lineup that can really wear you out that's how their bread is buttered Sanford, you know came through the socon tournament just by swinging it really really well i mean they're they're pitching outside of their ace and Jacob Cravey is um a little bit suspect so that's where really they're going to try to win games and so that's a dangerous team if you face them late in the weekend
1: yeah absolutely Jim we'll have a couple questions for you again about some of those other uh SEC regionals like the Tuscaloosa regional but uh, I mean sticking sticking with this here you know there's a lot been talked about this Southern Miss team their RPI was very similar to Auburn's they're uh, a pretty veteran team and uh, this forms a, a interesting challenge now the, the you know the four seeds are always going to be you know kind of automatic qualifiers and you, you see what happens there but uh, Sanford was somebody that was mocked as a as a four seed they they win the socon get up to three so it feels like it's it's a pretty clear cutoff between uh, auburn and Southern miss versus the other two but uh, as you look at this regional, I guess, what is Auburn's pathway to success? Can they simply outscore some of these teams, or do they need some of their best work from the gut likes of Tommy Vale and Chase Alsop and, and Christian Herberholz?
5: Yeah, I think if they end up in the winner's bracket, they're in good shape. But that's not going to necessarily be the easiest task. This pin team is, is really good. I, I've written that I think they very well could be the toughest four seed in the field Now, you're right about that. Like, Sanford could have easily, you know, Penn and Sanford could have flipped the three and four, and I don't think anyone would have necessarily thought that was too weird. Um, But, look, I mean, Penn's got a starting pitcher that that Butch Thompson today compared to Joseph Gonzalez when he's at his peak. It's, you know, a low ninety sinker looking to get a bunch of ground balls. And, you know, their number two starter is a guy who's grad transferring to Virginia at the end of the year. They've got guys in their lineup who are grad transferring to Texas, Texas A&M, Duke, uh, they've got a Virginia Tech transfer um, because you can't play as a grad transfer in the Ivy League. So all their fourth-year guys have to go somewhere if they want to continue to play. So, you know, this is a team with Power 5 talent all over the field. Um, they haven't played a team this good since they played South Carolina to open their season, but they played South Carolina tight in that series. So this is going to be a little different than what Penn has had to deal with for a few months. But I think, you know, I know Auburn's not overlooking them, but, you know, even observers sh- should, should – Overlook pin at their own peril because they're really talented.
2: Going back to the the, the batting lineup there for the Tigers, you know, you, you've got a really strong group that's hit the ball fairly well this year. There, there's been a couple times where, it, and especially with that Arkansas series around the start of conference play, the bats kind of got lost for a little bit, but they came roaring back in the second half of the, the the year. So, what is your thoughts on this this Auburn lineup going into this weekend and how they can be successful not just this weekend but going forward in the tournament? Yeah, I
5: think it's. It, the lineup can be a little bit top-heavy at times, right? I mean, because you've got, you know, you're going with a defensive catcher in Nate in, in Larue, and then, you know, at times you've got, you know, a Caden Green in there that's a little bit lighter offensively, but the top half of the lineup is as good as is just about anybody outside of, I don't know if you want to say LSU, of course, but, um, you know, those, that top with, with Bryson Ware, who's quietly having one of the best years in the, in the country, and uh, you know, Cole Foster, uh, Ike Irish, of course, you know, that group is as good as just about anybody. And there's a couple guys who have kind of taken a step forward, like Chris Stanfield, for example, that, you know, his numbers aren't among the best on the team. And in SEC play, he's hitting something like 240, but, you know, he brings a level of athleticism and speed that's a little bit different for this offense. It's not exactly an offense that, I mean, stolen bases and running are just not going to be the Auburn team's thing. But having a guy like that in the lineup that brings that element and can do something a little bit different I think is, is so huge because when a lineup gets a little bit stagnant, sometimes what you need is just something a little different. Let's let's put runners in motion. Let's hit and run. Let's you know try to push the issue a little bit. And, and having a guy like that who can do stuff like that can kind of help you stay out of a funk offensively
1: talking to Joe Healy today of D1 Baseball in the Thursday edition of Sports Call. And Joe, what's been so interesting to me, just as, as Butch Thompson's program as a whole at Auburn, very little SEC tournament uh, success but a whole lot of NCAA tournament success relative to what they've been doing in the SEC tournament. Even as hot as they were in the last month or so of this year, they, they ultimately only win one game in Hoover. But yet, as we saw last year with them not even winning a game in Hoover, they go all the way to the College World Series. What is it about uh, a team like this that I, I get it, you know, the SEC has so many great programs, but this team never really does much in Hoover, yet they play their absolute best the very next week in the NCAA tournament.
5: Yeah, I I think there's some just, um, oh, I don't know, just coincidental things. I think a lot of that's just coincidence. Sometimes a team makes a great run in the SEC tournament, and then they play well in the postseason. You can point to that and say, well, they were were playing well. They were hot. And then a team gets eliminated early, and they play well in the postseason. You can say, well, they needed the rest. So I, I do think there is just a little bit of you can see what you want to see there. I think the other thing that plays into that a little bit is that this is a coaching staff and a program that they want to win games in Hoover, I don't doubt that. But they're not going to win games at all costs. Um, they're going to continue to play their game, meaning they're going to use the pitchers the way they want to use them. They're not going to overextend anyone. They're not going to do anything that's going to jeopardize you know, not only the team's future but a pitcher's future. Uh, and that's either going to be good enough or it's not. And let's face it, when you're in the SEC tournament, especially when you have to play on that Tuesday, you know, if you're going to make a run like Texas A&M did to get all the way to the final, you're going to play six games in six days. And ultimately, you know, college baseball teams are not really meant to be able to play six games in six days when you're dealing with, you know, the, the younger pitchers and the inconsistency and, and players who just aren't used to playing that day-in and day-out style. And I think this staff kind of understands that. And so, again, they want to win, but you know, they're not going to push the pedal to the metal just to get a couple of extra wins.
1: And so, Joe, as we look at a couple other regionals involving SEC teams and uh, look at eight regional hosts is a a remarkable feat for the conference, but I actually want to focus on one that's not a regional host, and that's the Tennessee Vols, because this is the regional matched up with Auburn's. And so uh, Clemson, a four seed or the four national seed – is playing a Tennessee team, which I, I think some believed still had a shot at hosting coming into the SEC tournament. It seems like that is a very difficult two-seed for, uh, for the number four overall seed in the tournament. What are the chances that, that Tennessee can knock off Clemson? Potentially, if, if everything works out, Auburn's got to handle its business, potentially setting up an uh, uh, Auburn Super Regional. What are the chances of that happening?
5: I think fairly good. I mean, look, I think that Tennessee was one of the two seeds that, you know, no one in the country wanted to see pop up in their regional because you you know what the talent is, and they can just flip a switch and, and, be, a, and be a different team. But the flip side of that argument is that we just haven't seen it this year. We kind of just keep waiting on it. And look, they had a good year. I mean, by if, if, if last year hadn't happened um, for Tennessee in the regular season, we'd look at the season that Tennessee had and think, oh, no, they had a really good year um, because those have been few and far between the last 20 years for Tennessee. But the expectations got so high because of last year and the talent they brought back, and I get that. Um, but, but they just they just haven't totally clicked this, this, this season. So there's part of me that also just wonders, you know, maybe it's just not going to happen for this group. And then they go play a Clemson team that's the hottest team in college baseball. They haven't lost a game since the end of April. Uh, they haven't lost a series since the end of March. And that, there's just really no team playing any better. Um, so I'm not really exactly sure what we're going to see with tennessee this weekend but yeah i mean if you told me that they play their best baseball this season they go 3-0 and in that regional and, and next weekend they're playing auburn down here at plains park then i i'd say that i believe that just because that's how talented tennessee is
2: joe when you look around the rest of the field which regional involving an sec team either hosting or they're they're not hosting are do you think needs to uh, needs to get more people talking about right now I think I'm kind
5: of fascinated by Kentucky's regional and not just because of the situation where the opposing teams are being housed in dorms uh, because there were no hotel rooms in, in Lexington um, because there, there is a thing um, with teams that, and look, we'll see this with the the, the it's a non-SEC regional, but Indiana state hosting for the first time ever. And there is kind of a, a curse is too strong a word but hosting for the first time or for the first time in a long time and nobody on this Kentucky team was around in 2017 when they hosted except for i guess the head coach Nick Mingeon um the teams that have are hosting for the first time like it's kind of a difficult thing like there's a specific pressure to it you know you've got a lot of fans there you're probably going to draw crowds especially to a place like Kentucky bigger than you normally draw so there's just kind of a, a pressure there and they got a difficult draw where you've got West Virginia is a two-seed, and look, that's a team that they went 0-2 in the Big 12 tournament. If they make a run, they're probably hosting themselves this week. Their three-seed is Indiana, who finished one game behind Maryland for the Big Ten regular season title, and I think honestly could have been could have been a two-seed in a different world. And their four-seed is Wright State, which is annually one of the peskiest four-seeds. Like That's a team that's going to go into that regional expecting to win games. That's They're not going to lay down in that opening game. So Kentucky getting out of that regional – uh, in a really, really tough chore, and I think if they do so, it'll just kind of prove what, what they've been trying to show all year, which is that this is just a, a different Kentucky team.
1: Talking to Joe Healy of D1 Baseball today on Sports Call. Joe, how can all of our listeners follow your work throughout the weekend, your coverage, and then all the great things that D1 Baseball will have in store throughout this weekend?
5: Yeah, first and foremost, go to D1Baseball.com. Um, we'll have writers at a whole bunch of, i should have counted up how many different regional sites we'll have writers at but it's certainly more than more than half of them so d1baseball.com for all of our general coverage if you're interested in the sec angle you can click on the sec extra link at the top of the page to read mine and mark Dethridge's work on on the sec and you can follow me on twitter at joehealy d1
1: joe the time has been greatly appreciated today we hope you enjoy covering the the Auburn Regional and, and the Tuscaloosa Regional, and uh, hopefully this thing goes well. We'll be talking to you again down the line.
5: I appreciate it. Anytime, fellas.
1: Joe Healy of D1 Baseball joining us today on Sports Call. Appreciate the time uh, of Joe. Busy time of year. This is what you, we, all, we all look forward to. This is the uh, the deal where, again, as we talked about with Joe, Auburn going from a team where we would have just loved to seen in the tournament, uh, halfway point now to We're trying to get greedy and have an Auburn Super Regional. Uh, But, of course, a lot of business to take care of, and I certainly appreciate Joe Healy of D1 Baseball for joining us to talk about all of it. We're going to take one more commercial break here in Sports Call. Back to give some final thoughts, final topic or two, and then a nightly TV guide in just a few minutes. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
0: Attention, please. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is what? My name is what? My name is sports call on Tiger 95.9. Now back to the multi-time Abbey Award winning sports call.
1: Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LeBoy, Brooks Childress with you here. Appreciate Joe Healy of D1 Baseball for spending some time with us to preview the Auburn Regional and a couple of the other situations and regionals going on in college baseball. Of course, if you missed that, you can go back and check it out on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. Uh... (laughs) You
2: want me to, Brooks? I mean, you were reaching for it.
1: Well, I, I, w- everyone gets it. It, it is, uh, it, it, I thank you, though. I thank That's you. That's fine. Um, you were t- just trying to be helpful. I was. And uh, I, I, I will remember that. Um, we have one final segment left in the show. Again, the big news, which we've been talking about since it broke at about 430, uh, was the eight-game schedule model. We will have even more thoughts about that tomorrow. Again, if you're just tuning in, one year temporary model. I keep using model. That's just the word they used over and over. Uh, but eight games scheduled for 2024. No divisions. The teams will be announced in uh, two weeks, and we really don't know much beyond that. At least we. It's going to
2: be based on fairness, though.
1: Yep. So they say someone will not be happy. That's inevitable. That's right. Uh, but we will see. I uh, want to also use this opportunity just with a few minutes left to give a, a brief NBA Finals preview uh, since it does start tonight. Um, got a call earlier in the week talking some NBA. Certainly appreciate Keith whenever he's able to call. I know he's got uh, some, some, some busy stuff going on, but uh, he, he had some NBA questions. Also was talking about some officiating Uh, and the way the game is um, uh, a lot about flopping now. But want to break down some Nuggets heat. Um, I don't give a damn what the ratings end up being. I just don't. I think that if you like this sport, you should watch this series. Uh, These two storylines are good. I'm sorry that they don't involve big market teams. uh, But this is going to be... Good basketball, and look, it doesn't—it's not necessarily going to be a long series. I'm not telling you that, but what I am telling you, these two teams do it in about as right of a way as you can do it. Denver's offense, Jokic, Murray, Porter, Gordon—they get such a high quality of shot. Uh, it's going to be hard to stop them. They run great offense, and I think Denver it can just kind of get any shot they want. Now, for Miami, the way they play team basketball. Which I know the the Heat players are tired of it, of talking about how they're all Half of them were undrafted, but that is significant, you know. And, and and they've clearly earned their places in the league. And, and so we're not acting like they're without talent because clearly they've played multiple years of successful basketball in Miami. So they're more than that. But it's still incredible that Miami, as an organization, identified this many good undrafted players in one grouping. Uh, from Gabe Vincent, Max Struce, Duncan Robinson. Um, I don't think Caleb Martin was drafted. He might have been. Um, but they have seven undrafted guys, and they several of them are the key role players for what they're trying to do. Caleb
2: Martin was undrafted. Well, he
1: was undrafted too. He just had 19 a game on 60% in the conference finals. He almost won conference finals MVP. I do believe it should have been Butler. Uh, Martin played well above his normal, but I still think Butler was was just as complete, if not a little bit more uh, complete. Average more points, average more rebounds, average more assists, more steals. It's just that he shot a lower percentage, and we have this expectation for Jimmy Butler, but I still think he was a more important player uh, overall. They, don't, they wouldn't be there without him. But they used that zone so effectively against Boston and I just don't think they can zone Denver. I know that the Celtics were a perfectly capable three-point shooting team, although they settled for it and they paid dearly the last two games of the series. They did not shoot well at all. Denver has shooters all over the place. And the most important part is their big seven-foot dude, Nicola Jokic, she's the best passer on the team. So if he ever gets in the middle of that zone, he's going to make the correct pass. Heck, if he just gets the ball at the top of the key, he's probably going to set up a good shot. He just sees the floor well, and you have to account for him because he can shoot from three. He's a 40-something percent three-point shooter. Jokic is a complete offensive player, really as, as complete as it gets. And so I don't think zone can work against Denver. I'm sure Miami will try it at some point, but they're going to have to figure out a way how they can hold up one-on-one. The good news is I don't think Miami has many poor defensive players, uh, especially Tyler Hero out. I think he might even be their weakest. Duncan Robinson is below average. I know Vincent has his uh, limitations. But overall, I think they can hold up better if they go man. Uh, in the Adebayo versus Jokic matchup, there's a chance Adebayo can at least make Jokic do some things difficultly. Like I know Anthony Davis was able to or not able to do much. Jokic really was hitting unbelievable stuff, triple doubles, and Davis is as good as it gets defensively as a big man. But what I'm saying is it's Jokic will get his numbers. Can you make him – 9 of 20 instead of 12 of 20? Can you make him have 8 assists instead of 12? Can you get a couple offensive rebounds over him? Can you, can you When he's on defense, can you get him mismatched a couple times and either make him pick up a foul or get an open look? That's the things you're looking at. With players of his caliber, you don't just shut them down. Jokic is not going to go out there tonight and have 11 points or he's not going to, for the series, be like 15, 7, and 8. No, he's going to have 25, 30 points. He's going to have double-digit rebounds, and he's going to have some double-digit assist nights. Can you make it a little less efficient? That is the question if, for Bam Adebayo. Um, I, I like Nuggets in five. I'm not trying to disrespect Miami. I just think that Denver has more ways of doing this. Um, you can limit Jokic to a degree, with the knowledge that Jamal Murray could have 35 points on any given night, with the knowledge that Michael Porter Jr. can hit five or six threes a night, with the knowledge that Aaron Gordon is a double-digit scorer that can make some freakishly athletic plays and hit the occasional open three, and with the knowledge that Bruce Brown, as a sixth man, has been lights out throughout the postseason. Denver just has so many offensive weapons that really the best way to try and beat them would be outscore them and Miami was a team that ranked 29th in the regular season in scoring. They've obviously scored better, and they've shot very well from three throughout the postseason. But if you're telling, if you're asking me, all right, you go beyond the top two of Murray, Jokic versus Adebayo Butler, the role guys. Who do you feel more confident? In? You feel confident in KCP hitting some threes? Yeah. Do I feel confident that Michael Porter Jr. at six ten is going to get good open looks? Yeah. Do I think Bruce Brown can score double digits off the bench? Yeah. But at any moment, if Gabe Vincent went 2 of 8, would you be shocked? If Caleb Martin, who scored 9 a game in the regular season, but scored 19 in the last series, would you be shocked if he went back down to 9 a game? No. It's going to be harder for these Heat guys to score in these high-scoring games. It has to be lower scoring. They have to get either people in foul trouble or muck it up and make them less efficient. But I've got nuggets in five. There's my soliloquy. Brooks, what do you got for this series?
2: Uh, I'm. I mean, I you're you're much more of an NBA guy than I am, so I'm not going to have as much of a uh, much of a breakdown as you did because you you basically. I should covered have gone second. I but, should have
1: gone second. I'm sorry. <laughs> no,
2: that's okay. Um, I also uh, I also think uh, Nuggets win the series. I would. I'm going to say six, um, just because I think uh, this Heat team has gotten here for a reason, and I think they can win. I think they can pull out a couple games. Um, I I don't know if they pull out a game. Uh, uh, if, if they I don't think they pull a game in Denver, I think I think if they win they're gonna win two home games. Um, and so I, I think it's gonna be in six. I think the math works out, right? Doesn't it?
1: Yeah, it would. If if it went two two, you would have you would have Denver winning Game Five at home, but then you'd have Denver winning in Miami Game Six.
2: Yeah, yeah. That that I, you know, I, I think once you get to that point, it's going to be Denver's going to take control of it and say we're going to get this done. So I think Denver gets their first championship. I commend the Heat. You know, this the, it's not a tradition. It's not a roster that you would think would make it. You know, it, it's not definitely an eight seed roster, um, if that. And so you you look at them. And they're they're scrappy. I I really like watching Jimmy Butler play, uh, and, and I think he's he's gonna he, you know he, he's gonna give them uh, he's gonna give the the Nuggets uh, something to contend with, but. I think that this Nuggets team is just too well constructed. Um, you know, one of their, you know, they 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 fixed some of their holes that's been there in the past few years, where they they've been really good in the West and they just couldn't punch their way past uh, the the Warriors or the Lakers or, and, and teams like that that have won the championship in the past few years. Uh, but this year, it, it looks like they fixed their holes and, and they're they're in the in prime position to get their first title. Uh, and I, th- I think that's going to happen. I think it starts tonight. I think Denver comes out. The, my only worry about tonight is that Denver's had such a long time sitting there, and, and uh, Miami that could be
1: a factor, especially with shooting.
2: Miami, you know, they're, they played Monday night, and here we are Thursday. They're coming off. You know, it, it's basically like you just had a couple days off, and you're coming. You know, you're on the road, getting ready to play another game. Denver's been sitting there for a while, and so that, that's the only thing that that would tilt me to say Miami could if you know if Miami can get hot they can make a run at this and take game one here but I I think ultimately uh Denver's just a little too talented I think you're going to see the 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 rust in the first half it's going to be a really close first half you're going to be you know you're going to be watching the halftime Jalen Rose is going to be talking about you know they got a chance Miami's got a chance and then I think uh, Nicole Jokic kind of you know, goes in the locker room, comes back out, and says, "This is, you know, this is our home court. We can't let them win here." And so, I, I think that it's going to be a close game. One, you are going to see the rust from Denver, uh, but I, I think that they they take game one. I think they take the series in six.
1: The psychology of a series always fascinates me. It's why I was so thrilled, uh, tickled that 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 Miami could lose as heartbreaking of a scenario as possible in game six on their home court. And then just come and thump Boston in Game 7. Like nothing as if Miami was the team that had all the momentum in the series despite losing three in a row. I've been blessed to be through this a lot as a fan. I grew up a Lakers fan. The second Steph Curry became a Golden State Warrior because I saw him at Davidson, I started to latch on to the Warriors. I remember the Warriors' first couple series when they played Denver and beat a 50-something win Denver team in 13 – and then got kind of humbled by the Spurs. They lost a seven-game series with the Clippers that got Mark Jackson fired. I remember all that. Been with the Warriors since all that. And obviously, they then went on their run. They went on their their borderline dynasty. And so I've, I've seen a lot of these series. And I'll tell you this. You always prefer home court. I'm not going to lie to you there. But the the great benefit about being the road team in a series is that the pressure's not on you at first. Yeah, You have the chance to deliver the first psychological blow because if you win one of the first two games, you flip home court, and the other team has this oh crap moment where we're going to have to go away from home and we're going to have to play our best one time or we're not going to win the title. We won't ever make it back to game seven. There'll be a game six, and if we don't ever win a road game, we're going to be done in six. And and it's that oh, crap moment that some teams struggle with because it it is a really freeing feeling to know that you're not supposed to win. Uh, The pressure's not on you. And and so if, if Miami can go out there either tonight or Sunday and flip home court, that's important. That is valuable, and that's the first psychological blow of the series. Now, if you lose both, then you game three is a must, and really game four too. But um, you have the chance to deal at the first psychological blow uh, just by splitting, and and that is something valuable. And look, I'm not counting the heat out. I'm not. I'm not saying that. I just think that Denver has so many ways to find a good shot that even against a disciplined Miami team, it's just going to be hard to stop Denver enough unless Miami just has just just absolute banger nights from three. I mean, just 15 of 33 kind of nights where Struce and Vincent are playing stuff. My last thought is before our nightly TV guide, I love Butler a lot because compared to the average NBA star, um, a, a little less complaining to the officials, and a little more old-school style for a guard. Yeah, he'd shoot a few threes, see if he's hot that night. But he's, he's not an analytics – you know, the analytics would not be a fan of him. He takes a lot of 12- to 18-foot shots. And you know what? He's good at it. He should. If you're good at something, you don't stop doing it because, oh, if you maximize your percentage here, then you might be worth – 0.1 more points per possession. Well, he's not good at threes. So what do you want him to do? Take the 32% three or take his 55% two-point mid-range jumper cuz he's really good at that. It is a high uh consistency shot for him. And so Butler kind of has that 90s 2000 early 2000s guard in him where yeah, he's like low 30s from three. There'll be a few nights he can do something. He did something in game 7 from three. But he's going to be pre- pretty consistently good in that mid-range. And some of the 15-footers he hits are, uh, are a lot of fun to watch. Uh, so Nuggets and Heat start things off game one
0: tonight. Time for a quick nightly TV guide to finish up today's show. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide.
1: Sports Calls Nightly, TV Guide, presented by White Claw, Hard Seltzer. Brooks, what do we got?
2: Well, I'll tell you what we got. We got some movies for you and then some sports after that. We'll start things off, 6 o'clock on FX. It's Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, the second edition or the, the sequel to this, coming out later this summer. Catch up while you can. The first one's on tonight, 6 o'clock on FX. If you're a, a fan of the Bourne series, the Bourne Supremacy is on tonight, 6.03. Very specific, 6.03 on Sci Fi. And then later tonight Star Wars week continues on TNT at 7:15 it's Star Wars episode 9 The Rise of Skywalker I know it didn't get a lot of you know a lot of people excited about it when it came out but I really love Star Wars I'll watch it anytime it's on. So that's at 7:15 tonight. Sports for you this evening. It's it's varied, but it's you know not a lot. The women's college world series continues tonight with two games starting at six o'clock on ESPN. Oklahoma State takes on Florida State. Follow that up at 8:30 with Utah versus Washington, an all Pac-12 affair in that one. Seven o'clock on FS1. Some major league baseball tonight. The Braves aren't playing, but we got Shohei Otani and the Angels visiting the Houston Astros uh, tonight. Start a series. Uh, that's at seven o'clock FS1, and then of course 7:30 tonight. ABC alternate version, I believe, on ESPN two. The NBA Finals Game One, Heat visit the Nuggets. Who will take ava- or take control of the series early? Find out then. And that is your look at United TV guy. Brought to you by our friends at White Claw Hard Seltzer.
1: Thank you very much, Brooks, and also for putting that on the TV Guide and uh, just everything throughout the week. Had a great week. Enjoy the Auburn Regional tomorrow and throughout the weekend. We'll see you again next week.
2: Yeah, if if anyone sees me out there, say hi.
1: Absolutely. That will do it for the show today. Again, appreciate Joe Healy of D1 Baseball for previewing that Auburn Regional with us. And as always, we appreciate all those that tuned in and called in. For Brooks Childress, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Thursday night, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow. (laughs)